This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. Hello everyone, and welcome to Chapter Tactics, your 40k podcast, which focuses on playing warmer 40k competitively at all levels of the game. I'm your host, Petey Bob, and with me I have my wonderful co-hosts, Sean and Val. Howdy everyone. Oh, hi Pablo. And uh, new guest, Peter Colissimo. Did I pronounce that right? Thanks. Oh, all right. (laughs) Cool. Uh, (laughs) Peter as as uh been a great resource to me over the last couple of months specifically over the summer meta and so i decided to bring him on the podcast because he has the coolest data sheet that i've seen on 40k breaking down factions uh and the results at tournaments that i've seen so peter thank you first off thank you for coming on the show thanks a bunch thanks for having me and as the as the person who formerly had the coolest spreadsheet um i tip my cap to you sir this is amazing <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a bit of a blowout here. I'm pretty impressed. Yeah, and so I'm I'm just gonna tell you guys a little bit about what's on this sheet, and then we'll let Peter kind of take it away and give you guys an introduction to to what what the daddy's pulled, how he did it, and um, kind of just like what to expect from it. Uh, so first off, as I understand it, it's a faction by faction breakdown on how factions have been competing and performing at top tournaments over the summer. I think I think Peter, I think you mentioned it was forty events. Something like that? Uh, 40, 40 plus player events. Uh, oh, right 40 now plus player events. We're sitting okay. at 9, just because of the limits of, uh, of BCP. But I'm, I'm going to be getting there. It's, we're going to be running this for a while. Right. Well, well, 9 events, 9 40 plus events, I imagine already account... Because you're, you're, you're also pulling like like big events specifically. So you're already mm-hmm. accounting for, I think, probably 60 to 70% of all the, the large turn Or all the tournament players, I think. Because a lot of them are smaller, like 10, 12-person events. And, and there have only been like two or 300 events held over the summer. And a lot of those don't even fire off. So it, it's, a good, it's a good percentage of, of what you guys are going to see, listeners, and also what to expect at Nova, where I imagine a lot of those people who were at those events that Peter has, they're also going to be at Nova competing using those same lists. So it's a really great breakdown of what the top tables are going to look like and what people are running at large events, um, which are obviously the more prestigious events, the ones that people bring their best stuff to. Um, you see less like silliness and, and, and yeah. random uh, extra lists. To give an idea of the scale of what Peter's put together here, he has broken down 1,183 unique lists. It, yes. With, with all of the detachment info from every one of those lists, so it's not just a BCP like "here's your primary faction" kind of thing. It's this is some in-depth shit right here. 
Yeah, and I believe you also counted like like specific units like Smash Captains, uh, I, right? I did for BAO as a joke. Um, oh, I see. <laughs> it, was, it was less as a joke and more of I think I, you guys were talking about it on Chapter Tactics and someone mentioned like uh, for the Blood Angels list how many there had been and how it had to have been whatever that is times two for amount of uh, Smash Captains. It was actually <laughs> yeah. only 23 Smash Captains at BAO. So Instead of 24? Really? Yeah, there was like there was probably two lists that didn't well, even run one. Uh, my like, my list only had one Smash Captain. But yeah, my, well, my list only had one smash, so I'm the oddball. I'll, I'll, you I'll are, say that right but there now. were two people that ran zero. They were absolute oh, madmen. Wow. I don't even understand it. Two, 23? That means I played a fifth of all the smash captains at that time. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. Well, it's, it's interesting <laughs> right. to see, like, we might think of that kind of a of, of list tech as, like, being, you know, de rigueur or whatever, but... Like, if you look at Capital City Bloodbath, there were very, very few lists like that, which were, like, the um, uh, Mitch uh, Pelham-style yeah. Yeah, Pelham list. So, like, that, this kind of stuff um, takes a little while to get out there. It does, yeah. certainly. And it's not universal to all metas. Like, some places you'll see it everywhere, and other places you, like, if you look at the ETC, I mean, which was admittedly a little ahead of the curve on that sort of thing, but ETC had essentially no lists like that. There was a handful of the Smash Captain, Imperial Knight, Imperial Guard lists. Yeah, and and the the people who did bring them, uh, a la Tony Kopak, absolutely mm-hmm. crushed with them. Yeah. Um, and 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 just so just so we're for a little bit of abbreviation was something I we've been doing in the Relentless D chat that's just makes everything so much easier for everyone is we've just been calling it the Castellan list. So so the Castellan list is just a Knight Castellan guard detachment and then Blood Angels or Space Marines. In honor of in honor of Mitch though, I've been trying to coin the Caspellum list. The Caspellan there's <laughs> there there's the Mitch special, the Mitch Castellan list, which is Mitch's We don't want to get Castellan into the Mitch list. special. Mitch special very different. We're gonna have yeah, to bring you need him on. A, you need a five ninety nine subscription for see the Mitch special. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> um, but okay, so so Peter, uh, we've we've definitely been talking about your spreadsheet, but I, I want to kind of give you a platform here to explain what exactly it is to the people listening at home or or in their and or in their cars. Or probably all, you're all probably at work or in your cars. Actually, I don't think anyone listens to me at home. I wouldn't even <laughs> no. listen to me at home. Walking the dog. Walking, Walking the, the dog, dog painting the, the minis. A lot of people listen to that's true. Actually, minis, sure. actually, you're you're a lot of people paint minis at work. Actually, because you'd be yes. surprised about how many people paint their miniatures at work. I'd be concerned uh, about job security if I'm painting minis at work. <laughs> well, <laughs> depends on what your job is. That's yeah, exactly. true. Uh, all right, Peter. Well, take it away, man. Okay. Well, um, this list here, the tournament report I built. Uh, I came up with the, with it uh, during BAO. I was uh, casually listening to the BAO stream and thinking to myself, "Man, I really wish that we had more stats uh, because I love numbers. <laughs> I just think they're the friggin' best." And um, and yeah, like, I, I thought about it before. Like when I watched LVO, I was like, "Why is this thing? Why? Like, it's a numbers based game, and no one keeps track of anything other than who was like the top five of anything." And I, I just felt it was like something that I could easily put together if I had an extra minute or two. And luckily, my job is one where I go through large bursts of activity followed by long bursts of kind of staring into nothingness. So I. Uh, Set to work, I opened up BCP. BAO was perfect for this um, because it had a complete data set 
um, the the beautiful thing about BAO was was every list was available, um, all of the detachments. So it was pretty easy for me to sit down, open up uh, an Excel spreadsheet, and just start throwing data in there. My initial spreadsheet actually had a ton more stuff, but it was a lot of like useless data in the end. I had I was trying to track. Oh, I don't know. It was like the amount of points that people were actually using individually for factions, and, and that's all well and good. But some people, when they're writing their lists down, um, like I don't know if they're doctors in their spare time or what, but it's really hard to read that kind of stuff. So yeah. <laughs> I, I took a step back, went down back to just like I wanted to break down primary factions. Um, so how many people are running Imperial Knights as primary, Astro Militarum, etc. I wanted to break down how many secondary detachments and and what kind of faction they were using for that was. Their respective win rates, so what's the win rate um, of an army as a primary uh, detachment, and then their win rates as a whole. So if you ever included a knight in your list, uh, whether it was just a, that lonely Castellan or you ran, you know, three plus whatever, uh, I wanted to see where the differences were there. And I also wanted to take a look at uh, victory points. I thought that would be interesting data. Like what armies are clearly ahead of the game when it comes to accumulating VP? Um, and based on looking at that combined with win rates, you can also see like which armies are, have a hard like hard time giving up VP. And then lastly, I I decided to just kind of cheekily break down the you know the sub factions, the chapter tactics. Um, there's a lot of talk when you when you watch say like the frontline gaming or you listen to basically any other podcast out there about, you know, you know, this is the best uh, chapter tactic and this is why. And I, I just wanted numbers to back that up. Uh, like I knew it was true. I mean, it's, it's very obvious. You, it doesn't take a rocket surgeon to, to know that ally talk is probably the most popular Eldar faction, but to, to have the numbers to back it up and say, Whoa, well, you know, there was uh, 93 uh, Eldar factions and, uh, that were recorded in the last two months, and 65 of them ran Ally Talk. Like that's that's pretty big uh, in that regard. So, mm-hmm. how many flesh terrors were there in all the Blood <laughs> Angels detachments? Uh, there was one. I, I didn't actually include it in the in the tournament report, <laughs> but there is one flesh terror detachment, I believe. <laughs> didn't actually include it. He's like, eh, he's, he probably just missed miss. miss you know, listen. There's a Minotaur's detachment, so oh no, uh, yeah. I definitely uh, thought about it. So. Hey, Minotaurs are second behind uh, Yanari in terms of total win percentage. Oh my so, god, new Minotaurs meta, my friends. Well, very true. I thought he'd be running at least one Minotaur special character to make it worth it, but he didn't. Oh no, <laughs> that's pretty funny. Anyways, so l- let's let's go ahead and uh, jump into this now. Um, so you, you mentioned Inari being the or being the Minotaurs being the second highest behind Inari. So let's just go and jump into that right now. Obviously, yeah. uh, Inari, um, as we've been talking about, they are the highest win percentage faction right now. Uh, they they don't have as many faction. Uh, I guess they should have as many appearances as all the others, with only only appearing in thirty one lists. Um, and then with all those lists were twenty seven of them were. And then with all those lists were twenty seven of them were primary. So there were twenty. You could probably imagine that a lot of those lists were also broken down with. At least Dark Eldar. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, the vast Maybe majority Harlequins. have at least one uh, Drukhari faction, and then either um, Ally Talk, Ulthwe, or some Harlequin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so they're very much the minority, but they have a 71% win percentage and 29 average faction victory points. Tw- 29 is insane. Like, your average winner averages like around 24. 
25. Like that that's your average winning game winning uh player if you if you were like when we're looking when we looked at our BCP when when we uh had our bcp episode earlier on in the year and we talked about these stats 24 to 25 was like the sweet spot that was the number you wanted to hit if you wanted to win obviously that wouldn't always let you win the game but that was the number you wanted to hit and inari are 29 points it's crazy that's almost 30 yeah yeah that's insane they Yanari are an interesting army because, uh, t- just to give a little bit of context, there are just shy of 1,200 lists in this uh, this whole thing, and you only have 31 of them Yanari. But you you do see people talk a lot about Yanari a lot, and I think this high win percentage is the reason, is you may not see very many Yanari lists at a tournament, like... Even at uh, BAO, I think there was only like four or five of them out of 150 players. Um, but those four or five Yanari pl- lists are all sitting in the upper win percentages. They're all, you know, beating the 50%. And a lot of them are in that, you know, top 10, top 16, top 32 range. So Yanari is a list that disproportionately makes its way to the top in part because of the people who play it i'm sure for, for sure and, yeah. and when you look at the like, when you really deep dive the data if you look at uh, like capital city bloodbath i believe like six of the top 10 lists there had an nre uh, faction in them um so that really helps uh, yeah. boost numbers yeah. that were already high to begin with um i, I believe there's only you, do you do you recall lists. sorry Oh, so I was just going to say, do you recall, like, uh, did Capital City Bloodbath skew the the overall numbers substantially? Because um, one of the big topics in the last last week was just how Eldar heavy uh, Capital City Bloodbath was. Well, let's it, find out. It doesn't change them much. It it only drops into like sixty nine percent if you filter exactly. out Capital City. Yeah, uh, they are still doing very very well. Yeah, I believe there's only maybe three Anari lists that have a losing win rate um, over the over these nine tournaments. Yeah, yeah, and that's and insane. We, yeah, we talked about this before the podcast. And, um, it definitely has to do with with who the Anari faction is. Uh, a lot of the other, a lot of these other d- d- factions, let's take like Space Marines for example, are are kind of weighed down by players who 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 kind of stick to their guns and run like their their armies so like the imperial fist space marine players not saying you guys are bad but i am saying that imperial fists aren't performing as well as let's say uh ultramarines right um um, and obviously space marines are not performing very well in general uh i and but i think that that's uh, 39 percent win percentage as primary with a 40 percent win percentage with just the factions very 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 low um despite being actually there weren't a lot of there haven't been a lot of space marine lists lately. They're actually in the bottom. They've only got forty five appearances in lists, which is which is crazy considering where they were a year ago, right? Yeah, it's it's a pretty low. Oh, how the mighty have fallen! And if you if you really look at those lists, when when you look at them all, um, one thing you'll notice about space marines in general, the people that are playing them, I think, um, I really I attribute a lot of it to groupthink. The more I the more I you know deep dive these tournaments and and take a look. Um, Space Marine players, they aren't performing super well, but when you look at their lists, like the stuff that you would often consider for, say, like a tournament competitive Imperium, Imperial Soup style list, 
they very rarely play them. You you almost never see uh, an Astra Militarum detachment attached, and if you do, it's it's never like the one you would expect. It's not uh, um, you very rarely see knights even attached yeah. to so, space yeah. marines. Although generally, when you have a space marine player, might... they are running oh, exclusively sorry. marines. Um, I was yeah, I was gonna say part of the reason you probably don't see a lot of Astra Militarum detachments, you know, that exist to feed CP into lists. Uh, Space Marines don't have any good way to use that CP. Their stratagems are kind of trash. Yeah, not only that, but I imagine a lot of those really good competitive Space Marine players switched right over to Blood Angels and brought their guard. I, I, I can mm. guarantee you that's exactly what... Because if, if you look at the, the Knight and the Astromel Charm numbers, which are huge, which are basically what the Space Marine numbers were, the Space Marines were the most played faction in 7th edition and going into early 8th, um, I think that there's a cadre of Imperial players that just play Imperial Soup or play whatever Imperium faction is good, and then they just kind of like weave and bob through the Imperial factions, <laughs> like playing the best stuff. Like I, I imagine a surprised. year from now, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, like a year from now, um, if if Space Wolves are like the best faction, and, and Space Wolves and Dark Angels, for example, let's say that Space Wolves and Dark Angels becomes this super powerful army list that that can win tournaments. I imagine a year from now, if that were the case. All, we would see a ton of Space Wolf and Dark Angel lists pop up. We'd have like 200 Space Wolf lists and or, or 200 Dark Angels lists. And we would see like no Knights and no Space Friends. I think that's kind of just the way the, the Imperial suit flows. Yeah. That's <laughs> the way it goes. And I'm, I'm consider, consider me one of them. I was playing I was playing Ultramarines last year. I'm playing Blood Angels this year. So Blue, blue Blood Angels, right? Blue, blue blood angels. They're, exactly. They're, they're blue blood angels. <laughs> the benefit of play, of blue being angels. an Imperium player is it no longer matters the color of your power armor. Yeah, yeah and you got like nine different codexes to pick from when it comes to your power armor, so it's yeah. just yeah, whichever one is working best right now. Yeah, and I think yeah. uh, the power of of uh, the Imperium is also like if you pull it back just a little bit on this, I was just sort of whipping up on the sheet. Forty seven percent of all entries are just Imperium faction, twenty percent Aldari, seventeen percent Chaos, and then that's crazy. Then the Piddly Xenos coming up from behind. So, I'd, I'd, yeah. like it'd be interesting. I, I haven't had a chance to slice it up. Any up the top of your head, how many Imperium books are there? Because there's twenty nine factions counted on this list. There's, there's Knights, Custodes, uh, Blood Angels, Dark Angels, Space Wolves. Who are coming up this weekend? Uh, actually, I think no next week. I, I don't know when they're getting space wolves soon. We'll just count them. I'm gonna do a quick um, count here. One sec. One sec. Yeah, yeah you guys yeah. keep. There's talking. nine. There's nine yeah, there's, Imperium there's, codexes, aren't there? There's nine. Peter already got it. So nine of twenty-nine factions listed on this list. That's that's pretty good. Full, but that's still like just a little over a third. Yet they're almost half of all armies represented. Well, also. Yeah. Yeah, it's also worth remembering that there are several very minor sub-factions who do have appearances on this list, but true, true, are not ever going to get a book in all likelihood. Yeah, and if you were to take away Astromilitarum or Knights, those number the number would go from half to the where it's supposed to be a third easily. Well, yeah, there's almost two. I don't even know if it would be with, like... with guard in them. Yeah, and not much shy of that on Knights either. Yeah. So, there. so let's let's go go ahead, Val. Well, I was just gonna say uh, because of my bias. Hopefully, this doesn't last much more than a month or two. But seven orcs, seven people still boldly yeah. playing index orcs, and almost every uh, almost all of the uh, the bottom 
uh, tier armies on this, as far as their appearances are concerned, are exclusively index armies. Orcs, Space Wolves, uh, uh, Inquisition. Grey Knights. Grey Knights, uh, Knights, Knights, Knights is up there. Gene Stiller Cults, Adeptus Seritatas. Harlequins come in below Grey Knights. They do, but they've always been a a very, like, minor niche faction, so the fact that they have a full codex right now is a bit of an outlier in and of itself. Yeah. I I think think Harlequins and Grey Knights might be, just by based off of these numbers, I think Harlequins and Grey Knights might be the worst codex factions right now. I don't think that's true at all. I mean, if you if you look at the ETC teams uh, as just a barometer of like what the top eight books are, like you saw a lot of Harlequins. Grey either. Knights, Grey Knights are the worst codex. Yeah, yeah I was gonna okay. say let's <laughs> yeah. let's all take a moment here to mentally mourn for the Grey Knight book because oh, pretty... good lord, that thing is a pile of trash. Sixty uh, games, it's almost sixty games, primary games played with a less than twenty percent win percentage. Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't even look at that part. That's yeah. yes. That's like, bad. Like Harlequins are similarly represented in terms of lists, but they've got a fifty-four percent win rate, um, yeah. which is, is is quite good. Like that's uh, like if yeah, you're bringing them, you're you're not doing too shabby. Whereas Grey Knights, if you brought them, you're in rough shape. I think I, there's one winning uh, Grey Knights list, and it it went like three and two. Like it's, I it's, know who that person is. Yeah. She oh, is the Shaylin. only Grey Knight player who is not basically bringing a trash fire to the game. <laughs> and the uh, majority of Grey Knight lists you'll see are two or three detachments of pure Grey Knights, uh, nothing else. Yeah. And, very, and that's the real rare. problem, is that the Grey Knight army is completely unsuited to playing by itself. Like, even the other bad books can at least kind of, like, bring in an army, a Grey Knight army of, of pure Grey Knights is just awful it's so bad yeah yeah digging into this win percentage thing a little bit too like uh digging into this win percentage thing a little bit too like uh even something like gene stealer 48 percent win percentage by comparison out of the index yeah and the uh and the orcs who started out as one of the winningest uh factions in uh certainly the first half of the year um going into the nears have dropped down to 28 percent win win percentage it's rough for them I mean, it has to be, like, a combination of the Dark Eldar coming out, just absolutely being a, a wrecking ball to Index Orcs and, and, these, and other creep. But, I mean, this picking out from here, you might be able to separate, like, people who are playing, uh, you know, um, say an underpowered faction just because, like, that's what they play and that's what they want to do, versus maybe some underplayed factions that have merit that other people aren't really hip to right now. Like, Harlequins might be an outlier like that. Yeah, yeah. Orcs not anymore. No, orcs certainly aren't. <laughs> no. It's, oh, I, I, okay. it's hard to pick out what, you know, the quote-unquote good lists out of here, because, you know, st- statistics are, are kind of like broad strokes, not the specifics. But there you can certainly pick out what the bad armies are. Yeah, yeah, so... So I think I think right away, and this is mostly for GW. If you're listening, um, which I know sometimes you listen to this podcast, uh, Necrons, um, despite having Codex, are performing really poorly. You've got yeah. 150 primary games. That's in the top 10 most played factions. Um, mm-hmm. Top seven, I think. Yeah, top eight, top seven, uh, and you've only got a 41 percent win percentage with Necrons. Yeah. And I know I know a lot of really good Necron players who bring in these Necron lists. Uh, like Jessica Bowman and Alex Gonzalez, just quick examples. Um, they're very mm-hmm. unhappy with the way their codex is performing. Um, yeah, so I would, it needs I would some look serious help. That. 
uh, Space Marines. Space Marines are, are, are not good right now. Um, I would say that the power armor line in general is not is kind of unperforming with the exception of Smash Captains and Scout Squads. Yes, um, and you can see it if you yeah. look at the Blood Angels. Like Their primary win percentage is 38%. So if you're taking Blood Angels um, at, as your primary faction, um, you're not performing. But when you add in them as just here's your Smash Captains, they bump up to almost a 49 that's including that 38% yeah. win percentage as a primary, right? So their actual win percentage as, yeah. a, as a secondary is in the 50s uh, to you, almost 60s. Can you pull up what the win, win percentage is for Astro Militarum and Blood Angels paired? I'd like to I, see that. I could put it together. Probably not. Maybe by yeah. the end of this uh, talk I can have it. Uh, but Yeah, don't worry about that. But, I, but that's another interesting thing. Go, go ahead, Sean. I know this is way too much to ask, but there's a part of me that wants to do like actual regression analysis on some of this and figure out like how much does your win percentage go up just adding in blood angels to whatever other army you're bringing along i think that would be interesting to see but i realize that is not something that's we're likely to actually get done yeah it, honestly you could probably do that with Inari, right like if, if you're an eldar yeah. player and you're like you're looking for a way to make your list good i think just adding an Inari primary detachment Switching some of your dudes over and making the Minari and bringing Cat Lady, I think you're already upping your odds a lot. Yeah, it's it's go. so easy to to buff, you know, a in almost any Eldar list by just sort of like Cat Lady, two units of Hawks, a unit of Spears, a unit of Dark Reapers. Well, and, and I think you know, you suddenly can... you're doing it. And I think you can just look at the the Asuriani or Eldari uh, win rates to to get that vibe already. Yeah. If you look pure like primary Asuriani, fifty point six five. Uh, 50.79% win rate if mm -hmm. you're there, if the primary 56% if you take them as just with anybody else so they're yeah. getting a big buff from Inari and uh, and running them with Drukari as well yeah, like Dark, Eldar, Dark Eldar are the yeah. same way their secondary win percentage so if you if they're not your primary faction but if the, you're just your Cabal the Blackheart detachment because let's be real that's what they're bringing you're you're up to a 61.7% win percentage yeah, that's yeah Inari really group. make everybody better yeah, yep. significant margin. Well, and and this is this is the the very easy lesson that I think everyone kind of knows already but not everyone wants to admit is the option of allies is arguably the single strongest feature any codex can have. If you look at these armies that we're talking about that are winning with exceptionally high win percentages or even are, that are just kind of omnipresent who is it that's winning? It is Imperial Allied Armies, it is Chaos Allied Armies, and it is Eldar Allied Armies. Can we These really add Chaos? Winning. I don't even know if you can have include Chaos on the list, but you could include Tau Empire to completely counter your argument. Yeah, Tau Empire <laughs> got a winning over 50%. Uh, but the one yeah. thing I'll say about Tau Empire is I feel that that... If it wasn't for the fact that if that like every time I type in Tau Empire and put oh, in no. the data, I guarantee like I know um, what the three line... I know what the three lines are going to be. Um, so, so you it's broke be... out. Sorry, P Peter. Peter, you broke out, man. Could you repeat that? Oh, um, what I was saying about Tau Empire being just above fifty percent. Um, first off, I think it's probably the healthiest uh, a codex can be to be as close to fifty percent as possible for a win rate. Um, because that's kind of how you want balance to be. You want all factions to sit as close to fifty as possible. It's it's a it's like a. It's not something that's ever, I don't believe, ever going to happen in this world. 
But if everybody sat between, say, 47% and 53 I think we'd have, like, the healthiest game you could possibly have. Um, the only unfortunate part about it with Tau Empire yeah. is, like, when you when you put the data in, it's always the same two or three lines. It's Tau Sept, Tau Sept, Sassia Sept. Like, that's, yeah. that's your three detachments that almost yeah. everybody takes. The the ideal would be to have everyone sitting at dead 50%, that you could take any army and have the same chance of being successful as anyone else. Like you say, that's that's not going to happen, but that would be the, the hope. I think was, because I was actually a little surprised by the Tau Empire numbers, like Tau Sept was definitely in the lead, but there was a lot more of uh, Borkon than I was really expecting, although I think a lot of Tau players like Borkon way more than I do. I don't think yeah. it's bad, but I think way more people are kind of like, yeah, Yavara's, and it's like, Yavara's not great. It it seems really good, but its tactical limitations mean that it does not do what you actually want it to. And that being said, I mean, it's appearing in, uh, let's see, 19 to 10? No, hold on, I had it. Uh, no, it's not, it's nineteen of one twenty out of Tau. Yeah, so it's not even it's not a wild like Tau is Tau Sept itself is far and away with the the splash tends to see a Sept, but yeah. like uh, basically nothing from anybody else. Our, yeah, our the unknown... go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I didn't even notice there was an unknown in that. Yeah, I'm not sure. Is that an actual Chaos Space Marines? No, like, that is. Okay. I'm assuming that is his shorthand for. Uh, someone did not list their detachment, which Tyranid players list your hive fleet for crying <laughs> out loud. I have seen so many Tyranid lists that don't actually put their hive fleet down. And guys, it 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 does matter. Like when you we actually have to do that. When we were calling out underperforming factions, um, I don't think we really touched on Tyranids. Which I mean, if we had taken a, a yeah. pulse this deep, like. 41.52% win percentage as a primary faction. They're just getting lit up. And that's on, like, so we called out Necrons there, but actually Tyranids are hurting more. They have more primary games played and, uh, you know, almost the exact same record. Yeah. Another another interesting kind of thing that I'm noticing is uh, um, Chaos Space Marines, the, they're world eaters, and um, basically they have a lot of, like, world eaters, unknown and mixed, all have almost a 60% um, win percentage when you add them all up even then mm-hmm. um, and I, I'm just kind of curious because I looked at Chaos Demons and Chaos Demons actually have a pretty okay uh, alliance win percentage or I think secondary faction win percentage um, yeah no they have more secondary games played than primary games they're, they're, their primary win percentage is actually pretty good um, but the Chaos Space Marine win percentage is really low and I, I just basically the point I'm trying to make here is is, it's it's it not that like low. Chaos, it's it's forty six for Chaos that's not, Marines. That's not that bad. That's that's not bad. But their their win their win percentage if you just have them basically their secondary win percentage um, is a lot higher. It's fifty percent. And I imagine that yeah. if you were to take out the, all the the primary Chaos Space Marine lists and just factor in their faction win percentage just by secondaries, I imagine that fifty percent number will go a little bit higher. Um, oh, for whereas sure. The opposite on the Chaos Demons for primary and secondaries. So I think the chaos list right now might be chaos demons and chaos space marines, and I I, I want to say that there's a lot of chaos space marines and chaos or chaos players in general that are just playing and having a good time and kind of lowering those numbers because I hmm. still feel 
like a chaos list. Like every time I see a really good chaos player or a really good chaos list, I, I'm floored. I'm like these these lists are amazing. I don't know why I don't see them performing well. I just I don't know what it is. It's basically what I'm trying to get at here is I don't know yeah. why these chaos lists aren't performing better. Well, let's let's be clear here. Chaos Space Marines is a primary, not doing not doing terrible, but not doing great. But You're you right. also don't usually see the, the the classical chaos lists as chaos primary they are much more often death guard or thousand suns primary even when they can they include significant amounts of chaos space marines right. um, and, and because the stuff suns, you the stuff you bring in chaos space marines tends to be pretty cheap like those squads of cultists are not like setting you back 300 points um whereas the nurgle and thousand suns thing points um whereas the nurgle and thousand suns things are magnuses etc um and due to the way that itc calculates your primary faction it means that usually chaos space marines are not going to be the primary in those winning chaos lists yeah but, but you do see more people playing chaos space marines over death guard and thousand suns um, and speaking of which, yeah, guys, for those of you who are wondering, Thousand Suns are clearly performing better than Death Guard by uh, a lot, As, especially in the primary. So, so the Thousand Suns primary win percentage is fifty six percent, and Death Guard, if you have Death Guard as your primary detachment, uh, your win percentage is about forty four percent or forty five percent. Yeah, um, which, so, and if yeah, you take away Don Houston's performance, I imagine the number <laughs> goes even lower. Well, see, here's the thing. I've seen a fair number of Death Garden lists scoring reasonably well. I'm actually very surprised by how low that number is, although I think they do fall prey to the uh, Space Marine problem a little bit of it, which is there's a lot of people who like the faction and play it who are not necessarily bringing particularly good lists. Well, well I have a number for you, Sean. Uh, two yeah. numbers, actually. The Their average faction victory points. Um, yeah. Death Guard is only 22.6, and yep. uh, Thousand Suns is a whopping 25.1, which is actually, I think I want to say, the third highest. Um, I, I can't sort it, but it looks like the third highest average faction victory point. So if you are if you have just thousand, a Thousand Suns attachment in your army, you are you should be averaging like 25 victory yeah. points, right? And if that's, actually, uh, that's actually a really good point, is, and I don't know if we've actually highlighted it. I assume these are all ITC events? They are. Yes. They they're mostly there's one oh, really? on ITC. Okay, That's good enough. <clears throat> yeah, so I mean that uh, that helps. Yeah, but the I... the average points scored per game is a very interesting. We we touched on Yanari getting their almost thirty points per game average earlier, um, but Kobe Bryant of forty k. Yeah. Um, the, the average point scored per game are really interesting because it's not necessarily a metric of whether you're winning or not. Some armies score a lot of points, but give up a lot of points. Um, I believe the Gene Sir Colt Knights also, um, Knights, Knights have fairly high points scored, but as everyone knows, Knights give up secondary points like candy. Um, whereas you have lists like, uh, well, Death Guard is maybe not the best measure because they have kind of a weak win percentage, but um, there certainly are lists that just don't score that many points, but also don't give up very many points. Yeah. Well, an example for that would be Harlequins. If you look at their yeah. win rate versus the their average VPs. Yep. 
because they are only averaging 21 uh, victory points at the end of the game, but they are winning more than half their games. And I'm on the still... opposite end, Tyranids with yeah. 23 victory points per, per game, but a 40% win rate. Yeah, giving up your full big game hunter, reaper, and probably something else every game. Man, I'm still jaded about the Space Marine performance. They, they, they're just, yeah, they're in the top. They're in the top six most played factions, and are in the top five least scoring, worst performing factions. Yeah, if it's, if you pull, if we pull anything from this, I would say that it makes it pretty clear that the books, the the Codex books that need the help the most at this point are probably Necrons, Space Marines, and Grey Knights. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right. <clears throat> so, looking have back we, uh, at the... Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry, I was going to pop in. Have we talked at all about the ridiculous prevalence of knights? I was just about mm, to... Not a lot, but yeah, they are they are barely less popular than guard. Yeah, th- there's so many, so many knights. Um, and it's it kind of... it kind of. I don't want to say it's expected, but, but it's not surprising considering how many knights there were back when the, the adamantine lance formation was a big deal. Oh, jeez, right? yeah. Yeah, yeah, there was, there was a ton of, there was a point where, like, two or three months of 40k when everyone was running the Adlance, um, mm-hmm. until, really, until the Death Star came along and just smashed all over it. Um, yeah. But, um, but, yeah, there are a lot of, tons and tons of knights. Um, they have of... the most primary detachments of anyone. By almost double? But, yeah, yeah, by almost double. Well, because uh, you you almost can't not have them be a primary. Right. Like unless you are just taking that solo Castellan, they are your primary. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, it, it's it's crazy, and they have a good win percentage. They have they're hovering around a fifty four to fifty five percent win percentage, scoring 24, 24 points a game. That's yeah, that's easy. They're they're right around where you want to play. The they're they're quick to play. Um, they're they're easy to kind of master and play. Um, they've got really good stratagems, and I, the funny thing is, is, is uh, they're really good, and they're 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 kind of saturating the meta right now. But I actually don't think they're a problem. Like I think that knights mm-hmm. in their form right now are aren't really a huge problem. Uh, I know there's that Castellan list that's kind of like the big boogeyman. But if you actually look, and I, I'm sure Peter will back me up here, if you actually look at all the knight lists randomly, like you actually see a variety of just the weirdest stuff. You're like, oh yeah, I've got a knight crusader. And a knight warden, and a knight gallant, and like a random forge world knight, and then another list will have like like an atro. Uh, what, what's the big one? The, the atrophorian. Porphyrian. Yeah, or the, or the porphyrian. porphyrian. Yeah, yeah, like a porphyrian, and then and then like another random knight, or uh, some are like three knight gallants, some are a castellan and a valiant. You know, the knight lists are all mixed. They're, they're all varied. They're still knight lists because so they're still all T eight twenty four plus wound bodies, but they're 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 varied and they actually kind of play a little different so i'm actually i'm okay with knights as they are now they might probably need to get rained down a little but i actually think astromel term are the bigger the bigger yeah. um, well the, we've we've mentioned before the problem is the infinite cp battery feeding into yes. knights that knights by themselves are not as problematic it is the fact that they can rotate ion shields um and pop all their other stratagems spending like eight cp every turn for the whole game um, that Interest. is very problematic. Interestingly, though, no, I was just going to say, like, you can really spot 
the problematic factions um, like that that are used as splashes just to unlock extra things. Um, like for example, well, Imperial Knights for one, they actually get worse as a splash faction. Like the general faction win percentage is fifty four point two four versus fifty four point nine four as a primary. Yeah. Um, but just looking at something like Drukari, they have a sixty one percent. We were talking about it before, but sixty one percent win percentage when they're um, just included in an army versus fifty five on their own. Um, Astro Militarum actually doing better on their own than as a primary, but then as a splash, which is interesting. But they have 732 games played as a true. secondary faction out of... Out yeah, of, true. Uh, <laughs> out of, of 2,786 secondary yeah. factions, 700 of them are, are Astro Militarum. One third of all games played in this whole data set are games with Astro Militarum. Yes, which is That's a just a lot of company commanders. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and how actual, many of those company commanders are are actual company commanders and not just converted guardsmen? Zero. <laughs> I will. I will go out and say it. There is not a single real company commander in the whole lot of them. I don't believe it. I've never <laughs> seen one. And also, there's. Uh, I mean, just to put a little bit more behind that there's 188 secondary detachments that use astro militarum and just using my yeah. my quick calculation there were 292 pri- like imperium primary um mm-hmm. uh, lists in this data set so yeah that's uh two-thirds yeah, of all imperial lists yeah yeah, yeah. And, and they're not necessarily like they're winning they're doing well they're not necessarily win- like their win percentage is lower than dark eldar for example Right, but it, it's the oversaturation that actually kills games. It's not necessarily the win percentage, and, and Wizards of the Coast does a great job of of dealing with this. Is they ban things that aren't necessarily overpowered, um, but when they see like one of their pro tours has a top eight, they all have the same card, no matter what the decks are. They all have this one specific same card. Um, they ban the card, even if the card isn't necessarily the most powerful card in the format. Yeah. Um, this happens all the time. Well, uh, Games it, Workshop has a similar policy, as they tend to target things that are overrepresented and are disliked by the player base as much as they do things that have high win percentages. Yes. Um, you know, we saw it earlier in the edition with a variety of things. Um, Flyer Spam was one. Flyer Spam was not actually winning that many events mm-hmm. at the very beginning of 8th edition, but it was greatly disliked by the player base and gw responded by applying boots on the ground and some of the uh faq price changes yeah ditto on flyerance flyerance other than yeah. matt roots win at uh depticon flyerance well, uh, there, there was some there was in the etc they were they were bigger in the etc they were bigger in the were, etc and in, they were actually pretty big on the east coast uh, East yeah. Coast meta had been all about flyerance for a while. West Coast and ITC had not quite moved no over to that in part because of mission and terrain differences. Right, right. But but um, I would argue that the flyerance, with the exception of Matt Fruit's performance and the performances in the ETC, like like Manny Chiva, for example, the UK. I don't I don't think the flyerance were this overbearing, overpowerful, overpowered list yeah, that, that that's I feel like that's discarding two major segments of the meta from consideration. Okay, fair enough. Fair fair enough. But from consideration. Okay, fair enough. Fair fair enough. But but anyway, um I if I had to gun to my head predict this, I would easily easily point look to these numbers and say GW's probably gonna nerf the Astro secondary detachments in some way. Um that I think that's like a guarantee. Uh, mm-hmm. And then they'll probably look at, uh, I, I want to say they'll probably look at Dark Eldar, 
or the Cabal of the Black Art Detachment. I, I don't know what they're going to do with that. Yeah, um, it's it's a little harder to say with Dark Eldar because they do not have quite so much of a mono build as some of these other ones. Like, right. when we say Guard Detachment, every single person out there knows what we mean. It is two company commanders, maybe one of them is a Primaris Psyker, three squads of infantry with a mortar in each of them, the mortar is going away because you don't need it anymore, and the Karavzaquila Grand Strategist. Every single guard detachment starts with that. There is no variance. Um, oh. Likewise, when we say the you know the knight detachment ally of the Castellan, everyone knows exactly what that guy has. Calls wrath. That guy has ion bulwark. He is using rotate ion shields every single turn, and he is doing the uh, company of whatever it is, the Raven stratagem. Yeah. Um, like there is, there's no, there's no variance to that. Everyone knows exactly what it is. And that's what's problematic, is that there is only one choice in those options. Whereas Dark Eldar, like, yeah, Cabal the Blackheart, obviously. Um, but sometimes that's Triple Ravager, sometimes that is an Air Wing, sometimes that is a Full Battalion, sometimes Dark Eldar is, you know, the Cabal the Blackheart and also one to two other detachments. Like, there are pure Dark Eldar armies out there that actually do things. Um... So, I, I don't think it's as clear-cut with Dark Eldar where, you know, this thing is the obvious problem. Um, Agents of Ect is good, but it's not game-breaking. Um, Ravagers are strong, but they're not universal. Really, the Labyrinthine Cunning is the, as the Warlord trait is the only thing that is, like, 100% universal. Okay, Th those are all good points. Uh, we were touching a bit on, like, the uh, ubiquity of certain knight um, choices, and given how quickly, I mean, knights have come on the scene, and, and actually how diverse to someone just opening up the knight's book uh, at first glance, there's a lot of choices to be made, and I, I don't know, I think that does kind of show in the overall spread of what uh, Imperial Knight households have been selected, although there is pretty heavy uh, mechanicum tilt almost yeah almost the, entirely so <laughs> bumping yourself up to the bumping yourself up to full wounds for a turn is too strong not to take and i know reese loves the outflank stratagem but putting your you know four or six hundred point model off the table is just it doesn't work most of the time you can't have a third of your army not playing the game like that um House Raven is definitely in the lead, but not by so more so much of a percentage as to be egregious. I don't think. Well, it is. Uh, it is a, a third. Well, it's, it's a third of all knights detachments. Uh, double over the highest. Were, yeah, were House Raven. But then after that, you get a really good distribution between Hawkshroud, yeah. Tyrannus, Terran. Unfortunately, people didn't list, so we Unknown. can assume those guys yeah. are probably Raven. But Hawkshroud, yeah, Tyrannus, Terran, all all had merit according to the meta. And I think the the tournament results bear that out for a, a fair amount, is you do see knight lists running things other than Raven. Raven is the most common, but it's not the only choice. And if you compare those numbers to the sub-faction results in other factions, knights are actually much more balanced. Yeah. <clears throat> By the way, and fellow Imperial Knight players, um, I didn't. I never liked Hawkshroud to begin with, and uh, you guys got to stop running Hawkshroud. You have 25 detachments. 25 of you guys ran Hawkshroud. You guys all have a forty-six percent win percentage. That's like <laughs> that's like almost Space Marine level, guys. 
Stop that running. Forty six. Come on, Pablo. Forty six <laughs> ain't that bad. That's, yeah, that's, that's chaos. Like, space that's marine like primary chaos space marine. That's primary chaos. Space what's marine. let's talk about oh. poor House Griffith with their thirty six. We're gonna call it a night there's house. Only three, then. There's only three guys though. You can't beat up on three dudes running house. Yeah, marine. especially because I was one of them. <laughs> I know. That's what I'm saying. Shade. <laughs> oh that's, dear. It's actually because I did run House Griffith at at um. Did you get the Hammer of Wrath? results in this peter yeah yeah i was here, one of, pretty sure i was one of those house griffith guys yeah i did <laughs> so peter we've been sort of rambling all over your precious sheet here are there any sweet delicious nuggets that uh, maybe aren't as uh, you know obvious to the eye that you'd like to call attention to i think we've called out most of them uh the stuff that i always thought were was cool was just like the vp to win percentage ratios um, mm-hmm. For like Harlequins, uh, just how ridiculous I felt that was. The, the Tyranids is showing um, on the chapter tactic breakdown side. One thing I'm surprised about is we don't see more Militarum Tempestus. Hmm. Yeah, you're why? surprised by that. Yeah, and the only reason why is because I feel they're so good. So it's just a personal feeling. Hmm. Like it has nothing to do with how the meta actually shapes. It's like you get a forty-point squad that can deep strike onto an objective late game. Like anyway. Well, I think part of that may be because you can include Tempestus in a a detachment that has another affiliation without breaking it. Yeah. So it is not uncommon to see a guard list running, you know, one to three infantry squads. And then also they have a couple Tempestus guys hanging around. Yeah, and, um, and a lot of... Actually, Mitch talked about this on the last episode. Um, a lot of... He's surprised more Astro-Militarum players aren't bringing Militarum Tempestus. Same thing with you, Peter. Um, because that little... I think it's 50 points for 5. I don't think it's 40. Yeah, it's 50 for a basic unit. Sorry, but, yes. 50 for 5. Those, 40 if you do the command squad. Exactly. So those, yes. those 50 dudes, a lot of the times your, your infantry squads aren't going to be doing much anyways. They're going to be sitting on an objective, hanging out, not doing anything. Why not spend the extra ten points, deep strike them, so you have a do an obsec unit that can deep strike anywhere and potentially move, 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 mm-hmm. while at the same um, time cutting. Not back the same on turn they arrive, but points. well, not the same turn they arrive, but but you, you get that. But idea. yeah, they can get around the table real well, right? And they're five models, not nine or ten, so they're giving up less reaper. Yeah. Um, on that note, well, keep take th- keep taking mortar teams in your infantry squads. If you take <laughs> four, if you take four mortar teams. Um, in your in four infantry squads, you're giving up one reaper point versus two still. Um, so you're still saving points because they're because instead of giving up 40, 40 units yeah, kill or forty models, yeah. it's thirty six. So sure, but you're going to have other models in your army that all count towards reaper. It's yeah. it does make a difference, but it's no longer the like every infantry squad has to have a mortar. It's now like yeah, you can put mortars in and it it shaves you down a little bit. But if you're running 90, 100, 120 infantry models, it doesn't make any difference. They're going to kill enough. By, by the way, on the on the same point of Reaper, you should be taking Reaper almost every game if your opponent has like 80 to 100 models. Like yeah, if. It's, <laughs> it's, so, it's, so, well, it's so easy to score. It, even against Eldar, like you're... you're you're usually good for like two or three points. It, it's because two or, because two or three died. points ain't enough. You, I mean, you want to win. If your opponent games. has eighty, if your opponent has eighty to hundred models, you're banking on a tabling there, Pablo. Uh, I mean, not really. If you if you think about the way if, these games are being played now, so games are going to time and going to six turns more often, which means a lot of the times it's only a few models and a few units left on the board on both sides because of how lethal Eighth Edition is now. Yeah, it's, it's not uncommon for if, most ga- most of my games, at least, to go down to like two or three models on 
on either side. If you're if you're if your opponent's army has a hundred or more models, you probably take Reaper because if they have that many models, most of those models are cheap and expendable and easy to get rid of. If your opponent's yes. army has eighty models, you are literally banking on tabling them. You need to kill everything in their army to full full points out of that. Uh, but what um, if they have eighty one models and one of the models is a knight? I don't think I would take it still. Um, there's going to be those three guys hiding behind walls and whatnot. It's, it's, Reaper's great. I much, I very much appreciate the new way it works, but it is not just an automatic pick against everything, especially against like Eldar. If they have a hundred models with a lie talk, good luck killing all of those. Okay, fair. Um, one thing I want to call out, a popular topic on the uh, competitive 40k Facebook group, uh, what uh, Astra Militarum regiment should we take? So we've heard yeah. someone speaking up for Militarum Tempestus. Cadians, way out in the lead, 111 versus 46 on Catachin. So they are ahead at this time. But the win rates, look at that Catachin win rate. Yeah, the Catachin yeah. Is, is ridiculous. Yeah. 58% to 51%? 59 it, it, on Katishan. Almost pretty 59, much. basically. Yeah, 58-82. Um, yeah, I think Katishan is the clear front-runner choice these days, even if it is not the most numerically popular one. Um, just because that Strength 4 melee and some of that other stuff is really good. Cadians may see a comeback, depending on where the meta shifts to. Um, because Mitch has talked about this a lot on Best in Faction and when we Catechins can't fight orcs? Um, no, not that they can't <laughs> fight orcs, but that Cadians can get a lot of value out of some of the, uh, the stuff they have. Um, the, if Chaos gets popular again, um, then, um, the Relic of Lost Cadia is just insane against them. Just, you know, a six-inch bubble of reroll absolutely everything for a turn. That's that's unbelievably good. Um, but, you know, if it goes the way of orcs, then Katishans are only going to be get, getting a lot more popular because that strength four in close combat you, is brutal against the orcs. You, you know, I actually have a theory about Kadians and Katachans. So I think more people are running Kadians, not because the they like they think Kadians are better, but because... We're, and and obviously these numbers are telling a different story. But in my opinion, I don't actually think the regiment matters in ninety percent of your astromatal detachments because you're only taking mm. five units anyways. Yeah, and and they're they're doing very minimal things. So so for me, it, it never really mattered a whole lot. So I think what people are doing is they're just taking whatever their models are because Katachan models are so much more rare than the basic Cadian model that everyone has. I would say rare and ugly. And ugly, right? So I think a lot of people are just like, like, eh, I've only got 100, 200 points of this, or 150 points of this, or 180 points of this detachment that gets me infinite CP. I don't really yeah. care what regiment I'm taking. These look like Cadians, so I'm just going to say Cadians. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong. I think you're right. Yeah. <laughs> and there's probably a component of my intention is to hide in the back out of line of sight and fire three mortars at you. Sure, I guess I'll take better the... better than what Katachan do. Yeah, it's, I uh, guess I'll just sort of, like, re-roll ones to hit because whatever. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one thing I want to I wanna ask you guys, and I know none of you guys are, are Necron experts, but uh, the Nihilok dynasty... I was going to call that out. <laughs> Yeah, it has a fifty-eight percent win percentage with yes, more that's because than of one ten guy. games. 
Is it because of one person? One person. Um, Sebastian I one Marengo, person. I think his name is. Sebastian. Really? Cash Money Hammer, baby. You got it. With oh, uh, no, Double Tesseract Vault. Yeah, he's... Yeah, it... If for those of you who aren't familiar and are having trouble making out our good friend Peter here, um, unless I'm remembering it wrong, Nihilac is the one that has the stratagem that is plus one to saves as long as you are hanging out next to an objective. Oh, wow. um, and and you can use it on anything. It's, I believe, two command points. I think you can also use it if you sit still in it even if you're not next to an objective. Um, but you slap that onto a Tesseract Vault, and suddenly you're two up armor, three up invuln. Um, and you're virtually invulnerable. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. The, um, Sebastian's oh, running... Uh, no, Sebastian's been running uh, a triple big gun barge? What are those called? Uh, doomsday Arcs. Doomsday yeah, arc? triple Doomsday Arc with, with two... Uh, with two of the big pyramid dudes, I'm yeah, blanking. Thank yeah. you, Tesseract vaults. Yeah, two uh, two vaults and the uh, the spearhead. What does he run? Does he run any like troops or anything else, or is it just three vaults, two arcs? It's pretty much that. Plus, I believe some scarabs and the deceiver. Uh, of course, yeah. deceiver. Yeah, Peter. Yeah, actually, you probably say again. Yeah, he also runs a cryptech, but that's the full list. Right. Yeah, yeah that's, it's. That's crazy. He, it's um, it's a lot of shooting. Um, it's it's an army that will steamroll some things, but uh, you know, God forbid you you manage to get into it with like a Blood Angels captain or something. Val, what are you feeding that boy, man? Uh, he's he's uh, he was up. Uh, he's he's uh, he was up trapped up and and he just passionately loves Necrons. He had the the Leafs Codex out. He was running Necrons you know, codex version or as close to it as he could, like since before it was released. Uh, but yeah, he owns like every model. He just is for some reason passionate about zombie robots. Well, you know, I mean, the 58 win percentage is, is not, it's no joke considering that he, he achieved it at a tournament of 40 or more people. Two turns. Yeah. yeah. Two no, he had, he had, uh, he had a good, good showing at TGX. He was at Capital City Bloodbath as well. He lost to Josh Death, I think, in the quarterfinals. And then I don't think he, he, he uh, it was basically the fourth game is where, where he lost. And uh, it was a very, very close game, too. And that's a list that, you know, um, you know, had a Shadow Sword in it and some other tricks, uh, to say yeah. the least. It was well, a, a Shadow Sword shouldn't, a Shadow Sword shouldn't give him any problem, right? Because, because the Shadow um, Sword can't get past the, can't get past the Doomsday Arc's Quantum Shielding. Uh, he was probably shooting it at the um, the vaults, vault, not the doom. You, you can't deep strike them. Uh, no, the oh, vault okay. doesn't have could. the deep strike. I, I don't yeah, believe you. They, can. they used to be able to deep strike, right? Um, you're thinking the monolith and obelisk, which could the oh, vault never has been able to. I don't believe. Oh, the, the yeah, that's pylon, why you're using the. You're do, using the uh, yeah, Sebastian actually during index days was running the pylon hilariously. Sure, uh, but yeah. Yeah, though, though that's um, that's that's interesting. Uh, Necron players, there's hope if if you live in the Canada area. <laughs> well, if you live in the Canada area and you are one particular guy running the only viable list for Necrons, yeah, yeah, of the lists, uh, like he makes up the majority. There are some others. There's only one losing record with Neolak, and the guy went one and two, so it's it's not a terrible thing. Yeah, but yeah, and they're all running just multiple Tesseracts. That, yeah, that's all you got, really. Destroyers are all right, but they're too fragile. Yeah. 
Um, all right, guys. Well, I think that pretty much wraps it up. Peter, is there anything else you want to add? Add any nuggets of information? Last words? Shout nope. outs? Not really. Uh, my plan is I'm going to keep this going through to LVO, and then I'm going to do a soft reset. Um, hopefully, I'll, I'll keep sending it to Pablo once a month or two. Hmm? And we'll okay. see what that does. That'll be nice to have. Yeah, Peter, that'd be really great. Thank you so much for running this through this. And um, <clears throat> for those of you who are wondering, I'm definitely going to have to hook Peter up with something for all of his hard work. Uh, uh, hook me up with nothing. I'll see you at SoCal Open, though. I am flying to California in a month. Nice. Nice. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Represent the North. We have we have something down here called Sun. Uh, it's it's going to be fun to see. Bringing the Norcan to the SoCal. True that. <laughs> what do you bring? What do you bring in, Peter? Uh, probably going to bring custodies with some guard, depending on what Chapter Approved does. Maybe Death Watch. I'm flip flopping. Chapter Approved is not until after I think SoCal. Well, big Vac. Yeah, he's, I think he was talking about the fac. Yeah, big big fac will certainly uh, change some things. I'm sure. Yeah, we'll yeah. see if it screws up my I, list. But... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> nice. Um, and then Sean, are you coming down to SoCal Open? You gonna? I there? certainly am. Nice. Are, are you gonna bring your Eldar list that you've been? Brought? Uh, no. I've been doing a lot more Tau recently. Uh, plus I'm working on some weird, bizarre nonsense uh, lists that. I, I'm not going to take any real tournaments, but I am going to kind of bounce around all of my local RTTs and whatnot, because at this point, I basically farmed all the points I can out of RTTs. You, you animal, are you going to take it to the narrative at the LVO again? No, no. No, I got to try and score what points I can on majors if I want to have any shot at doing well in Tau. Nice. All right, man. Well, that that's cool. And then uh, Val, I, I, I know it's a long shot, but you coming down to the SoCal Open? Not this year, homie. But I will be down in. I, I will likely be down in uh, San Diego maybe next uh, spring. So I'll be. Oh, okay. I'll be uh, bothering you at work for sure. Whenever, whenever you're down in San Diego, Val, you have a place to stay, a couch to sleep on, a Pablo to sleep with. <laughs> oh, oh my! Well, this maybe I'll maybe I'll tell you. I thought it would. <laughs> I'll tell you where the, the 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 hotel motel is. How about that? Ooh, there you go. Yeah. Hotel motel Holiday Inn. <laughs> uh, if we're if we're uh, you know fancying it up, who knows? All right, well, guys, thank you very much for listening. Val and Sean, are there any last shoutouts you guys want to give out? Uh, that one Inquisition player who scored a higher win percentage than every Grey Knight combined. You're fighting <laughs> the good fight, my friend. Point one four percent in the lead. Nice, nice. Um, uh, I'd like Peter to name and uh, and and let us know who the six orc players uh, in GT competition were uh, in the last <laughs> month uh, because they're heroes. They've been uh, keeping the green flame alive, and I'm very confident there's going to be a lot more than six if we look at this again in, in four months. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. Oh man, I can't wait. Um, wow. And uh, yeah. Also, by the way, I think this is really great because it's controlled um, for the GT sort of experience rather i know you touched on it a bit pablo at the top yeah. like just how you know rtts are sort of smaller things and you're going to get a lot more experimental lists that's kind of what they're for um but this i think is a really good representation of of the competitive scene as we know it and also i think would be incredibly so peter like you you may not know it, but you could have done 40k a great favor through this hard work because this is this kind of data this kind of these kind of hard numbers is exactly how you work towards at least making game balance better 
And so really hats off to you from 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 me and I'm sure many players out there because yeah. you know there's time before the big fact. They delayed it last time. Let's get yeah. these let's get these numbers where GW can see them because this will this will definitely make sure they know what's up. And yeah, maybe, that's the hope. Yeah. And and certainly speaking as not just someone who is uh you know talking on the the podcast but and looking for information but speaking as someone who is a competitive player and wants to do well this sort of tool is invaluable yeah absolutely um yeah thank you very much peter uh i think i think you're right on the nose val uh trickled or um basically this is what people are going to see um this may Mm -hmm. not represent what your local meta is so if you're listening to this podcast thinking like oh well well house raven is actually awful and in my local games are like yeah probably is you know but um in terms of what the 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 daka daka nights are going to focus on and and what the twitch viewers are going to focus on what all the podcasts are going to focus on and what gw is going to focus on and what the competitive players are going to focus on and so on and so on and what you're going to see if you travel and what you see if you're going to travel um and go to these big events like that this is where these numbers are at these are the more relevant numbers than than the the random dude with dark angels who who wins all of his RTPs. Right. Also, uh, you know Pablo and the Best in Faction podcast. Turns out Inari's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I actually had a couple people um, reach out to me uh, saying that Mitch Mitch was uh, Mitch was was kind of down. Or I guess not just Mitch, but um, we were kind of just downplaying how how good Inari were. Um, <laughs> there, there's some there's basically some gripes about about our perceived power level of Inari in the podcast, um, which I think after this podcast might be fair. Um, yeah. The, the, <laughs> the problem is, is when you get an email saying like, oh, you guys are saying Inari are too powerful. They're actually awful. And then like the, in the very same breath, uh, not breath, but the very same email or a minute from that email, another email, get it from another guy going like, oh, well, Inari are actually really, really good. And you guys didn't say how good they were. And um, you guys should have talked more about how OP they are. Right. So. There's a lot of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, this this is going to be really interesting because, uh, as we all know, Mister Nanavati in a few days is going to be teeing up his his tried and true mm-hmm. uh, Yanari versus the worst Castellan options that uh, the rest of the A lister uh, guys who can make it out to Nova anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It'll be interesting uh, to manage. see how that slugfest play, pans out. Yeah. Uh, all right, guys. So we're going to close out this podcast. We're Right after the break, Val's going to come back with uh, hey. Scarry from Scardcast, where they're going to talk about Scarry's winning Dark Eldar list, the Capital City Bloodbath, yeah. and I imagine some other fun Canadian antics. Uh, so keep Tim D lives as that. well. <laughs> Tim uh, Timmy D. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so go ahead and stay on the episode for that. This is not the end of the episode. This is just the end of this segment. Um, also, remember to hit up our sponsors frontlinegaming.org of course where you can buy secondhand minis painted models for paint commissions uh, or get your models painted for paint commissions UGW ITC terrain FLG mats all that jazz and broken egg games where you can buy, buy 40k templates and wound counters for your tournaments um, they come really handy especially for organization and if you travel a lot and do a lot of tournaments so click on the link on frontlinegaming.org in the chapter tactics show notes for broken egg games that helps out the podcast gets me a little extra money um, anyways, guys, thank you very much for listening to this part, and we'll see you guys with Val after this ad- advertisement. Hello, everyone. 
Petey Pop here to Yes? Yeah, I'm I'm talking about the po- the sponsors right now. Uh sorry guys, my my daughter Arbella wanted to help me with this commercial. No, it's not your commercial. It's our commercial. You know what, kid? You're right. It's your commercial. But is it okay if I talk about our sponsors and then you can nod your head if I sound good? Okay? Okay. So, I'm here to talk about our sponsors, Frontline Gaming and and Broken Egg Games. Frontline Gaming, of course, is uh, the eternal sponsor of Chapter Tactics, where you can find all things 40k, including FLG mats, ITC terrain, secondhand shop service, painting commissions, and so much more. Also, Broken Egg Games, if you're looking for 40k templates to help your tournament needs, along with terrain, uh, templates for other games, <clears throat> and other odds, trinkets, and tokens, including wound counters, etc., everything you need to up your game to the next level. All you need to do is click on the link on frontlinegaming.org in any of the show notes and you're it, that helps out the podcast and that's it thanks very much for listening arbella how did i do she shook her head i guess i better quit podcasting forever anyways thanks very much for listening and hope you enjoy the rest of the episode and welcome to a pirate edition of chapter tactics my name is val heffelflinger i'm joined by akron <laughs> scrary and Tim, could you could you teach Pablo how to say your name? Dietlefs. Tim Dietlefs, Pablo. Goodness gracious. Hooked on phonics work for us, but that might be a Canadian thing, because this is an all-Canadian podcast edition, probably tacked on to the, another part of another episode, but hey, we take what we can get up here. Uh, I'm joined here tonight. This is a CCBB, that's Capital City Bloodbath, Top Table Roundtable. And again, you heard it right, folks. We have Tim Dietlifts, who Hello. was on the top table, with Archon Scarry of Scardcast fame, back on the podcast for the millionth time. He's practically a co-host. Welcome, gentlemen. Hey, how are you? Hello, universe. By the way, um, Val Hellofugger Gugger. Heffelflinger. Um, Heffelflinger. I would assume that uh, top table round table would be more like top table rectangle table it is in fact a rectangle <laughs> i believe so a my six by four me right. top table <laughs> rectangle thank you scary for that uh to very inside and i believe they call that geometry um i think so shapes yeah the study of, of shapes i think um irregardless which is not an actual word we're gonna move on <laughs> to talking about this great weekend actually it's gonna be what i guess over more than a week ago now uh, yeah, it was. It was oh, this we're weekend. It we're in the future. Shut up. <laughs> we're in the future. It's Sorry, actually a bit late. It's Tuesday morning. I'm walking my dog. Come on, people. So, Capital City Bloodbath has come and gone, and you gentlemen obviously were the last men standing. Um, I was wondering if, if you guys want to kick off maybe with uh, some thoughts about about the event overall. How did you feel about uh, how the whole thing went down? Hey, Tim. Why don't you go first? All right. Um, I'll first off say it was very smooth. There was no time delays. There was no BCP crashing. It was kind of a first. Uh, there was no rules disputes. Not Well, there was, but nothing huge. Um, it was a very calm atmosphere. There yeah, when we were talking on, I guess we had a little chat earlier this week, and you were, <laughs> you were saying that it felt weird 
in that it wasn't a super tense atmosphere. You want to get into that? It was the most relaxed I've ever felt playing at the top tables. It was nothing like a GT I've been to. I don't really know why that was, Um, but the terrain was good. The whole bottom level of ruins not blocking line of sight but blocking line of sight thing was kind of weird but i didn't play with very many uh but overall what is, it was what is awesome. that that you're referring to there so the itc rule for bottom level of ruins blocking line of sight was not being you or it was up to you and your opponent to decide if it was so by default it was not you correct but overall it was it was great um i played against six amazing opponents had Great times, beers. What more could you ask? What more could a good Canadian boy ask? Exactly. What about you, Scar? Uh, this is the second time I've been to the Capital City Bud Bath, and it was an excellent event. Um, it was really cool seeing the growth of the event. You know, putting out space for you know sixty players and quickly going up to almost one hundred and ten in almost no time, which is great. the The venue's good. The food is fantastic. The space around the tables is amazing. You know this. So describe describe the space for those people who haven't gone oh, and looked yeah. at pictures. Because I've been I've been hyping it up for a while now, but describe what you're actually playing. Well, you have fifty two tables. It was, and every single table, even all the Age of Sigma guys, it's all in one giant aircraft hangar that was carpeted. So it's not hard on your feet. And then each table or each mat is set up on an eight by four playing surface. So not only do you have the 6x4 gaming surface, but every single table has a two-foot space on the side to put your armies down, rule books, counters, dice, that sort of thing. So That's lavish luxury. So not only do you have that space during the game, there's, you know, six feet between each table on either side. So you have ample space to move around and pull your chair out and not bump into the guy behind you. It's. It just means that when you play your game, you don't feel personal space crowded, and it just lets you relax and enjoy the that like game. Yeah, and uh, it's not actually an airport hangar or an airplane hangar. It's across the street from the airport, like all fine 40k events. Um, but yeah, it's the EY Center in Ottawa, um, and it's it's a True Blue Convention Center. It's just a massive space, and and in past years they'd sort of hung around the. I want to say like 40. I think they hit major status last year. So they'd be in the 40 yeah, to 60 player was. range. Uh, but yeah, pretty much doubled up this year, which is so great. I think that means that you know the local scene in Ottawa is doing well, but also because it's an event that really does. Absolutely. And in Canada, you know, to get to any big events, you have to be willing to travel for, you know, five hours to really get to something um, that's, that's of a good size. So for us, it was about a six hour drive. Um, and uh, it was well worth it. And the four rounds on the first day and two rounds on the second day means you were out of the hall and all awards were done by four o'clock, which meant you got home for bedtime. Yeah, I guess with a lot of out-of-towners, that's important. But the the, the four-round Saturday is a, is contentious. I know a lot of guys. I love it. I, I, so, yeah, what, what do you guys think about doing four rounds? In- I love it. Uh, I think Riven and I are in the same boat. We used to play in a lot of our teams together where it was always four rounds. Yeah, normally, so, yeah. Uh, him and I were more or less acclimated to that. And I prefer six rounds because you get a true victor and there's really no other way to do it in 
this kind of event because it isn't four days it's only two so you you can't do three and three i don't know it's just a bit more difficult with people driving home long distance yeah i i i have to echo you guys like i i had didn't obviously get to play in it this year reasons but anyway i i uh loved playing four round this uh two years i think it's great although that fourth round is grueling on the saturday it's it's still it's just such a 40k fill and also they start pretty early too yeah we start early the four rounds you have two rounds and you have a, a lunch which is all catered and delicious and then you have the other two rounds but that fourth round really sort of separates that mental toughness and by the end of the the first day the winners that come out of the four rounds uh, are those that are really like game on for the next two rounds in, in the second day. And that, for example, is where I fell off the bus last year. It was that fourth round because I was not mentally prepared or physically prepared for it. So were you, so, so, how are you getting your, your mind and your body prepped for it this year? Got a power mode. Yes, uh, it was definitely death metal. I would like to touch on that because it follows up to my previous point. Um, yeah. Because it was so relaxed, I didn't feel at all tired. Even on Sunday when I was playing for the whole thing and I went out drinking, only got three hours of sleep, I still didn't feel tired and I was very relaxed. It was it, it was just the atmosphere. I don't know what it was about it. 2018 was magical. Yeah, it was definitely the... There was just good vibes between all the players. That, you know, everybody was there to have a good time. The judges had a very tight system in terms of like timeliness for the games and structure for their rulings and things like that. And everything did run very smoothly, which at a big event is paramount. Uh, personally, I have done a lot of gaming in the last year. So I was, I was definitely physically and mentally prepared for a lot of Warhammer, going to the ETC, uh, playing in local RTTs, and then doing a couple of of two-day events as well very cool so uh tim uh, i i know you know we were, we were speaking before the show uh, some listeners might might remember you as the 15th hero of the nova open um i want to start by kicking this out to you guys because on on the show before this uh they had the best in faction guys on, on and they kind of reviewed the results of capital city bloodbath and you know there was some i would i would say a light shade you know, maybe a parasol of shade uh, cast on it, just because it was a little interesting that the final four were, was an all Eldari final four sort of uh, playing off at the end there. Is that right? Almost. I guess no. Josh Riven, Death was up there. Josh, too. yeah, Conrad, yeah. and me. There was definitely a think... lot of uh, Inari, Eldar, Mick Drukari sprinkled in, and Imperial Soup as well. So, what do you think it was about CCBB that made it May uh, all? i.e. before night's game. <laughs> well, to be honest, I think most people play with what they're most comfortable with. And it comes to the fact that there's a lot of good Yanari players in Canada, like in Ontario. It seems to be the go-to faction as a very technical toolboxy style of uh, army that can deal with a variety of different um, matchups. Sort of like uh, what Nick Nunavanti is taking to uh, the Nova Invitational. You know, he's still running his Inari. Now, the other uh, 90% of Invitational is taking the Caspellum uh, <laughs> list. That's right, I just coined it. Mitch, it's the Caspellum list. Um, so everyone's taking that. That list was not present. Am I right? I don't think I saw it anywhere. 
There's a variety of yeah, knights and imperials, yeah. Well, I mean, like, I'm talking, you know, the Castellan with, with Catechins and Strachan, maybe some, I don't know if Hellhounds are still cool, Smash Captains, you know, whatever it is, that kind of a list. I don't, I don't, I don't think that... there was, like, the exact one. Not the exact list, but definitely lists that pull from that school of thought. So you had um, knights with Imperial Guard and, like, a million Hellhounds. You had knights with... Uh, Blood Angels a lot of the time, and then Knights with just basic Imperial Guard. But when you saw Knights, I think there was only a few Knight armies. Everything else was Knights with something to support them. Alright, so let's uh, maybe look at you know your own personal journeys. We don't need to get into the nitty-gritty, but um, maybe I'll swing it back over to Tim again. We get, we get a nice flow here, guys. Nice nice round table. If you, On a rectangle. It's like a rectangular round table. Um, <laughs> Tim, what... What what is your um, maybe some maybe some highlights for, from from your from your tournament? Was there was there any particular moment that uh, was really touch and go where you you know managed to pull it out? Just something that maybe sticks out in your mind. Um, my first my first game was uneventful. Played a really nice guy playing Necron. Uh, he said it was his first tournament game, so I let off the gas a bit. Um, you know, let him have some fun. Let him try out his stuff. Whatever. Uh, second game, I played uh, Eldar guy with three hemlocks and three fire prison, hmm. and he tried to. He got first turn, and he tried to wrap my wave serpent with all my dark reapers and characters in it with the hemlocks. He successfully killed it, but just due to how terrain was, I got out. So that was actually kind of scary. But mm-hmm. after that, spears did their thing. Um, third round, I played a chaos player, a young man named Nick. And I have never been afraid of a bloodletter bomb, but he caught me with it, and I was actually kind of, not scared, but I had to think. And uh, I ended up pulling that game out, but I've I've always hated the bloodletter bomb, and it finally worked again. And what, what was it that, that made this one special? I don't know, really. Um, I think it was mostly because I thought I zoned him out, but he was able to string out a line of one models, or like... One by one across my whole board edge, pretty much. So I was, yeah, I was thinking he he wouldn't be able to drop the whole bomb, so he just lined it down the whole board edge and then made the charge on like an eleven or something. So he still got into me with a fair bit. Um, Then fourth round, I played Zach Camo. I don't know how to pronounce this. With the psychedelic Tau. Yep, with the two tigers. That's correct. Which I had no idea what they did. And I did not look into them at all. Should have. I probably should have. Um, but I went first, blew one Ooh, up. Nice, cute fish flyers, little little boy. Ooh, nice well, fly. Yeah. Pretty huge. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're pretty huge and mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, the hitting on twos and the million shots kind of <laughs> tipped me off there. Uh, but I killed one on my first turn. The other one did some stuff, didn't do a whole lot. And I'll actually say thank you to you, Val, because what? if it wasn't for you, uh-huh. I wouldn't have known not to charge into this Tau Blob with my Shining Spears. Hey, just doing my part for the As, win. And I thank you for that. But uh, yeah, the basically the rest of the game was me shooting like four units of Fire Warriors off the table, then soul bursting behind a building until... I wore him down enough that I could charge him. I ended up tabling him on turn five or six. Okay. Don't remember. Yeah. That's a respectable tabling. Yeah, it was a good game. That will also be on Canhammer's YouTube channel. It was also on the live table. I would suggest everyone goes there to just check out the army. Uh, 
Zach, right? He yeah. uh, he's he's got some really cool color. Like it's it's all neons and it's kind of an outrageous look. It is a beautiful army. I just wish I'm sorry, Zach, if you're listening. I wish your unit markings were a bit more clear. Gotta get some he, of those tween hair elastic. He um Yeah, he he did win best Xenos at the event. He did. Correct. Oh did he? Oh that's yep. great. Um he had Roman numerals on their helmets. Uh-huh. Which, when all the models look the same and the Roman numerals are facing away from you, it's kind of hard to tell which unit's which. We but, can't have it all, Tim. Yep, you cannot. Uh, luckily, luckily, you didn't hedge your bets. You just killed everything. So, I, I sure you know. did. Uh, uh, so, somehow in round five, you run into perhaps one of the biggest scrubs in Canada. Correct. Unbelievable. My, my teammate, the lovely... Was he, was he lost? Like, how did he get there? I'm not sure, honestly. <laughs> I took him out drinking the night before. You did um, your best. I did. Uh, we didn't Coach, really drink. Coach that much, Canada, but... Conrad Motika. Here we are. We're in the semifinals now. In story, uh, childhood friend of one Val Heffelfer. <laughs> Take it away, Tim. What What did you do to him? Because he wasn't too. He was not too thrilled about this. And I don't know if he threw it to you. If he was feeling bad for you, and he's a generous Polish man. Um, what 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 happened? Well, if you're going to put it like that, I'll be brutally honest. <laughs> uh, no, so I, I was playing my teammate Conrad, Val and myself. Um, hand, he was baby. playing more or less a mirror to my list, except instead of the second unit of spears, he had three Dark Eldar planes. And uh, I ended up going first. My Dark Reapers shooting twice failed to kill his Wave Serpent with the Dark Reapers in it. But then I charged it with spears, killed them, piled them into the Dark Reaper. Um... He fell back and used the strat to shoot me and didn't kill all my spears with his reaping twice, which was kind of lucky, but I had protect, so it was a three up. And then from there, I kind of just controlled the board and I ended up tabling him on turn four because my one unit of spears lived way too long and killed all his characters, his dark reapers, all that, before my second unit even came in. Should have taken two. So that gets him to the top tables. Facebook's gone. And we're just going to we're gonna put a pin in it. We're going to put we're gonna throw Tim into the parking lot here, and we're going to flip it back over to the Archon's car. Sir, uh, we got a little deeper there into the into the round by round, so I don't know how you want to want to go with it, but, uh, you know, you're welcome to maybe paint us a little picture of your of your as you like to say journey my journey my journey <laughs> <laughs> ah the dark kin um so my first game i fall up to the table and i'm playing kieran so kieran uh for you mean kieran kieran Ciaran? yeah kieran yeah you know you know kieran i did I you, you do I you still do. know him you still know him um he's playing in ari and um it was all it was all over about turn one and a half to be honest his uh, his <laughs> di- his dice went ice cold and i don't think he killed anything turn one i deployed everything ravagers razor wings i just deployed everything and his dark reapers failed to kill anything so then i foreshadowing yeah, then I just shut off the Dark Reapers off the board, and then the ta- like the Tailors moved in. I think his biggest mistake was not deploying his Shining Spears. He deep struck them, uh, so they were out of the game. They couldn't get to my lines on that first turn, and uh, and he basically wasn't able to use them until most of his army was dead. Too bad. Yeah, 
Um, but, you know, hats off to him. He made me roll every single dice and didn't throw the towel. And he was like, you're playing this till the end, Scary. So, um, Attaboy. Yeah, Attaboy. so, so tip topped him. But it was, it was, I was like playing Kieran. Um, he's a great guy. Yeah. Uh, second round, I played Alex from, I believe, Cash Money Hammer. Really? Already in the second round? Yeah. Yeah, he played. Yeah. Damn. All right. So, uh, one of your fellow teammates, um, he was playing a Magnus and Morty in a list with 80. Iron Warriors, Cultists, mm-hmm. Arman, two Flying Demon Princes, and a Zinch Detachment, and then a little Sorcerer and a cheap Chaos Lord for the fearlessness for the uh, Cultists. It's a cheap Abaddon. Yeah, cheap Abaddon, as we like calling him. 75 points or something. 77 points. Um, it was Hammer and Anvil. And we de- he deployed on the line. I deployed way back from the line. And then I seized the initiative on him and knocked Morty down to two wounds remaining in one round of shooting. And then it was mop-up time from there. Killed Morty, turn two, brought um, Magnus down to a few wounds, and then the Talos got stuck in. He had to commit his Demon Princes, and then once the Demon Princes were into the Talos, the Talos just killed all the Demon Princes. I didn't like that story. I mean, it's my teammate. <laughs> yeah. I, I played him. <laughs> no, no, man. I, it was a great game. I played Alex at. Yeah, the... <laughs> so basically, I just ripped all of his wings off and uh, I watched him squirm around a bit and I squished him like a bug. Uh, he did have the wings. But um, no, no. This is, by the way, the second yeah. time we have we have we have talked to you about uh, how Scary dismantled Cash Money Hammer, and this is great. Let's just keep living this. Uh, you leave a comment down below. Send your condolences to Cash Money Hammer at Cash Money Hammer on Twitter. Uh, Full blown nemesis. All right, all right, all right. Let's move on. Let's stop kicking old man Stew's um, and then bloated corpse. And then. Um, Round three, I played Josh Chasson, and he was playing okay. um, three basilisks, 30 guard. Can I mortars. shout something out here? Yeah. If you play Josh Chatton, that means Josh Chatton was 3 and 0. Oh. Yes. 2 and 0. 2 and 0. Oh. Shit. Still, though. I mean, that's, that's a good run. Yeah. It was, um, he, uh, he had a four-drill knight, like one of those. Um, Weird carapacey ones with like a. Um, Did he have the Atropos? Is, yeah, is it the Flamer one? Uh, not the Flamer one. No. I th- he had the like shooty anti Titan. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The one that does like auto six damage or whatever. Really nasty. Um, it was a household that moves really, really fast. I think it's Taran. Cool. Um, and then he had two of the little Melta mini knights as well, and three Punisher. Uh, Lehman Russ commanders. Oh. So it was a lot of shooting. Uh, we ended up playing pointy hammer and anvil, and he went first. I'd screen with my racks, and this knight was a lot faster than I expected. And my mistake was underestimating how killy that knight is in combat. Oh yeah. <clears throat> and it has an invul save in close combat, which he can iron shield. So I I lost all my talos to that damn knight. I had one talos left with one wound before I killed it. And uh, at that point, I could have lost the game. How often do you find yourself in that particular predicament? Would you say the Talos 
Did God a lot, or do they often survive? To the they end? often survive till the end. Okay, so I this just, is not this is not this is deep water. Yeah, deep that water. was that was turn two. So turn two, I almost lost the game for underestimating this Atropos. Um, but luckily enough, I got a few mortal wounds in right at the end with um, my Phantasm Grenade Launcher and a Haywire, which killed the Atropos. And then I was able to kill his tanks with my Disintegrator Ravagers, and then slowly push up the board to then, you know, get the objectives towards the end of the game. And I think I only won by four points or something like that. So Josh gave you a run for money. That's great news. Yeah, it was it was definitely a, a tougher matchup for me, having those Basilisks on lengthwise deployment. And he zoned me out really well, so I wasn't able to deep drop anything in his backline. So it was a good game. Excellent. Then moving on to round four, and I played Derek and his Custodes Jet Bike Captains. Uh, it, How many wounds did they have? The Custodes Jet Bike Captains? <laughs> yeah. Uh, they have like six or seven wounds. Six wounds. Yeah, okay. six. Six yeah. or seven. Cool. All right, good. good yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Derek, Derek suffered from having the fourth round blues. I think he was very tired when I ended up facing him, which led him to make some crucial mistakes in the second and third turns. So was he smoking? He was like smoking at the table. Uh, no, but, uh, no. <laughs> yeah, no smoking inside. It's Canada, eh? Uh, it's same everywhere. Yeah. Squares. Yeah. Anyway. Squares. Okay. Sorry to interrupt. That's okay. Sorry to you know, you have to add some, some spice and excitement to my monotone here. That, and that's, and that's a good reason to smoke. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, continuing. Um, so... I took the first turn and deep struck my Ravagers in my deployment zone and basically sacrificed my Ravagers to kill one of his two little Armager autocannon guys. Because he had a Castellan, he had a bunch of Mortars, the Captains, a big blob of cultists, uh, cultists, Conscripts to, um, to block off with a 5-up invulnerable save from a Custodes banner. Which then he could turn yeah. into a three up involve with the psychic power and the go to ground sort of thing. And that's <clears throat> oh, very annoying. And then you had the two Helverin, the like the Helverin tanks, or the ones that have the autocannons, the little armatures. And um, so I deep struck down, killed one of those little autocannon tanks on the first turn. His first turn, he killed two, almost three of my ravagers and did some work on one of my units of racks, but he failed to kill the racks. So I was able to use them, recycle them, and then that second turn I moved and advanced my whole army right at his face. Because PSA, there's there's a like tide of traders for racks. Correct. Yeah, I, I don't know a lot of people that, or at least maybe I'm an idiot. Very possible, dude. But yeah, like, that's, that's super annoying because they are so sticky as it is. Yeah. It's not like, I feel like wiping out a bunch of cultists, like two a man, is easier than a little squad of them. Yeah, you know, the racks with toughness four or toughness five, the four plus vulnerable save, decent leadership, you know, they and they're, they're one of the most versatile troop choices that you can take for a Drukhari army. And then, uh, yeah, so I ran at him, and then in his turn he shot back at me, split his fire up a little too much, uh, wasn't able to do enough damage, and then my third turn... My Talos were just in amongst his lines, chain flails everywhere. It was um, 
not pretty. And then the Haywire guns took down his castle and pretty quickly as well. And then it was time for round five. And I ended up right. facing off against Josh Death. The Death, the, the dark cloud descends over your table. Various birds of carrion start eating carcasses that have suddenly and there he is in the rotten flesh himself. Josh Death. One of the nicest people I've met. You're screwing up the imagery, man. <laughs> I'm trying to like I'm trying to, he's like the Undertaker of forty K, man. His name's Death. Uh, you know you knew where I was yes he is. Very Yeah, nice. very very nice chap. Um, he, uh, he had been absolutely smashing every single person with his double Marauder destroyer list. Um, First of all, so cool. Great. It was, like, I, as soon as I saw his list, I was like, this list is really fun. I've played against Marauder destroyers before. Um, and I really? know, and I know the <laughs> amount of firepower they can, not two of them, but I, I've, I've played against a local player here who loves his Marauder destroyer. And he runs them. Does he also like? Does he wear like an army hat when he's playing? <laughs> like, who else is running Marauder Destroyer? He, to be fair, he is in the army, and he has a very okay. lovely painted and uh, collected Catachin army, like actual Catachins, not Cadian Catachins. Um, uh, probably also has a very nice army hat. Yeah, but possibly. <laughs> uh, so. Uh, the Talan Shadow Sword was in there as well for outflanking, and he had an entire Blood Angel detachment with a couple of Smash Captains, some scouts. But the trick of the list was this little Valkyrie filled with Mordian plasma guns. Uh, like really? a little. I, was, I saw the Valk. I was like, oh, that's cute. What's he doing with the so, Valkyries? I'm intrigued. When I was doing my initial scouting of his army the night before, um, I read and I was like, what the heck is this Mordian unit of plasma guns with a Mordian character for? Uh, I had no idea. And I read through the Mordian uh, stratagems and I read through the Mordian relics. And the one thing I missed was the Mordian commands, the orders. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. So you can order them to shoot a character out of, even if it's not the closest, with rapid fire weapons. Hmm. Uh, pretty good. <clears throat> so that was literally, you know, he, he, he tried to snipe out one of my homunculus with that. But thankfully, a 4-plus invul and some funeral pains and me using a reroll kept him alive, which was good. But I'm not sure I'm not sure if this came up, too, in your game, but did the whether or not you can move after you disembark from moving Valkyrie come up? Uh, no, it just moves. A, they disembark at any point during the during its movement. And then they can move. And then, the, yeah, it's just a disembark. It doesn't say they can't. Yeah. 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 It's just they can disembark, and if it moves more than 20, they have to take dangerous terrain tests, essentially, and see if they die. Yeah, they could just put, like, a tremendous amount of range on Yeah, it's it's really things. good. Now, if when they do that, though, they have to disembark. Uh, they can only be nine inches away from the enemy. So if you zone, they still can't land inside of your zone, but they can disembark out of nine and then move in if they want to. Yeah, so so that was that surprised me. But the game against Josh um, ended up coming down to first turn. I moved up, killed one of the Marauder bombers with pretty much all my shooting, killed two of his small units of supporting scouts. Then his first turn, he had to commit. He was forced to commit. Didn't do as much damage as he was hoping. And then 
and then I was able to, in my second and third turn, basically capitalize on it, kill the other Marauder, kill the Shadow Sword. And uh, I, the game did end uh, turn three, so because him and I were just chatting, but all he had left was about 20 infantry, the Valkyrie, and like a, an Imperial character left. And that's, you beat death. Most humans don't get to do that. <laughs> In fact, all humans don't. Like, it, like the only that is one. So 100% of all humans, right? Is that the only statistic yeah. that's 100% accurate? We all lose to death in the end. We all do. But not to this day. <laughs> not this day. Not this the day. homunculus can easily regrow me from a fingernail. <laughs> <laughs> so you, um, unlike the guy who has the Marauder Destroyer, you wear your uh, skin hat. Um, and you're now on your way... <laughs> I do. The, I, I do. wear my it's face. Brilliant. I wear your face on my face. That's right. We're going to take your face off. <laughs> and we're going to take this to the top table rectangle round table. Here we go, guys. Now, you, let, let, the, let the people know. Let the people know. They're thinking the rapport on this, this podcast is outstanding. I just I feel like I'm hanging out with three pals at least. Well, probably they feel like they're hanging out with two friends. You guys now you know each other very well from uh, the the Bari region, as uh, everyone south of the border likes to call it. So you guys know each other fairly well on the tabletop and off of it. Correct. We've been playing for what? A long time. It's the end of fifth, middle of fifth. I want to say it's at least uh, six years. Yeah. Yeah, I took a little break, but yeah, it's been a long time. It's funny because uh, Tim and I had. Uh, practiced for the capital city bloodbath you know like the week before the, the week event before, yeah. really and what was the outcome of that game oh ridvin smashed me i it was more of a test to see if i went straight for his grotesques what would happen mm. and it was not good <laughs> i killed them off the list but yeah so i knew not to do that and i didn't I'm actually not sure, Scary, that I've heard you... I mean, I may have just been zoned out, but I don't know if I've heard you talk much about your grotesques. Because uh, they weren't the stars. <laughs> the Talos are the, are the big stars of the list, but the grotesques fill a very key hole in the list, which is being able to go into buildings and ruins and clearing out all the little things that try and hide from my Talos. Despicable. Yeah. Mm, take have okay. to take as many slaves as I can back to the dark city. <laughs> In reality, I don't think one works without the other. Yeah, it's definitely they support each other well, yeah. Yeah, because grotesques can't really kill tanks. They can, but not the greatest. Very cool. So you guys have have been playing each other. You actually played a practice round. Have you guys ever played a, a you know in a, in a, a, at something with with these kind of stakes? You know the whole. We play it like every RTT. Okay. But, uh, aside from that, I guess not. Yeah, usually it's to Fatat when uh, Tim and I show up at a top table. You know, he'll come to the table and like blow my brains off, and then the next RTT it'll be the other way around. So it's always back and forth. It's really nice. Now, until until May, though, you have spotted a fair advantage to Tim, I would think, um, given that you are a committed bear. The new Dark Eldar book has been fantastic for a loyal Dark Eldar player like myself. As a, a not very loyal orc player, I hold it the same. <laughs> Green skins. By the way, grots, which I see Dark Eldar player referring to grotesques all the time. Grots are little Gretchen, <laughs> not grotesques, okay? That's our word. You can't have it. <laughs> So, you guys are you guys are walking up to the table, 
you're sizing each other up. You know how tall each other. You know. Yeah. Really <laughs> me like more like t- Tim's like a, a foot and a half higher taller than I am. <laughs> Tim's got some reach. Yeah. <laughs> That's all right. You're not intimidated because you've been here. You've danced before. So set it up, guys. Like how did the how did the game go? What happened? Well, the first thing that happened was uh, we got chess clocked. So um, we ended up playing with a chess clock. That was the first yeah, thing. If, if I may what, touch on that. Yeah, absolutely. Did you watch? Okay, I played. Go ahead against Zach with a chess clock because Darren advised me to. But I didn't really worry about it because I knew my opponent would use more time than me. And I used one against Conrad because Conrad plays fairly slow when he has to think. Oh, burn! Shots fired! Um, But (laughs) in both those games, I knew I wasn't going to run out of time. But against Ridvan, for some reason, that he got in my mind, and I thought I was going to run out of time <laughs> as soon as <laughs> so the you, game so started. What, are you admitting here that it wasn't a it wasn't a judge call? It was it was Tim asking for a clock. No, no, the, no the, they told us. Yeah, the, the judges came up oh, to okay. us. Uh, it was mostly because of the um, they my game with Josh hadn't gone to time, even though the game was was solidified. You know, we didn't need more time, but they just wanted to make sure that the top table. Both players had the exact same amount of time, and there was no gray area. In general, we're because I know BAO they did a thing on day two if you had a winning record on a clock. Yes. Did they do something like that, or was it just purely as needed? It was as needed. Okay. And it was a three-hour round. Uh, two and a half. I don't what? remember if they made me and Conrad. And I forget. Yeah, it was two Ca- and a half. Yeah, two and a half hours. Capital City Bloodbath was two and a half yeah. hours. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we got. That's almost out of vogue at this. point. Yeah, you don't need that much time if you're just playing the game. <laughs> I need the time. Okay. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I need the time. Okay, let me amend don't that worry, statement. Um, <laughs> barring barring special circumstances, most normal people special, special needs. You can say them. You can say them. Special needs, yes. Um, but yeah, the chess clock did did actually come into play because especially during deployment when we were going back and forth, I feel like both of us were trying to use our time as efficiently as possible. And then in that first, those first two turns, um, having the, the the pressure of the clock um, did mean that that we that we could have been more uh, te- technical with some of the moves. But in the in the sake of time, we were just trying to get through a lot of the stuff. You know, I know, yeah, I know. I regret that for sure. Yeah, I know that with Tim, for example, he'd left a like a character unsupported. Just at the back, I was able to move. It was just a very simple thing of just bubble wrapping with something. But uh, I got one of my flyers and got to snipe out his quickening warlock pretty quickly. Ironic. Yep, that sucked. Um, but yeah, <laughs> it did. And the game was back and forth, Tim. You know, Tim and I are going to be doing a play-by-play on the Canahama YouTube channel where oh. him and I are going to voice over the footage of the game commentary will you guys be using some like good announcer voices though maybe ridvin's got me beat there <laughs> Riven can go for Ridvin can just go for like the classic footy around like football announcers like soccer announcer and um, Tim just go for like a good hoser like hockey announcer and it'll be great clash of culture you'll get the the the, the uk audience the canadian <laughs> audience and the americans will be confused it'll be great and they won't understand what i'm saying yeah, that won't work at all. <laughs> you know, so, last thing we need is for me to call something like icing and then be like, what? <laughs> do, yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so this will be, yeah, I think that actually Pablo's been hyping up in multiple places the, uh, the sort of the battle reports that are coming from these top tables. I actually think it's a really cool idea. Can Hammer's on the YouTube. Maybe someday it'll be a podcast recorded against Yeah, that'd know. be good. We, we did record. We awesome. have a recorded episode. It should be, it should be up soon. Oh, they do the, the, they did a recap? Yeah. Uh, well, I, I know that they did all the stuff for the ETC. Anyway, keep a, keep keep anyway. tuned for that. Yeah. So getting back to your top table game here, guys, what happens? So, like, you leave a character hanging out. Timmy, what's going on in your um, So I didn't do that in... De- oh, wait, yeah, I did. Never mind. Well, we'll start with deploying with the clock, because you have to switch it every time you put down a unit. But my first five drops are deep strikers. Mm-hmm. So I'm literally flipping the clock to say this is deep strike. Yeah. Which kind of, and then like we would forget to flip it and it just, I feel like it weirded us both out a little. Yeah. Yeah, those first two minutes were just a little, were like just awkward. And because my drops were so fast, because I was just saying rangers infiltrating, rangers infiltrating, whatever. um, We didn't actually know if my side of the clock was working because I may have used like 10 seconds <laughs> like is there a reason why you didn't just like did you want to drip that out like you feel like- no 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 he just says no. i'm going to yeah it's it's actually great and it, it with a chess timer and chess clock it even though it kind of threw us off it just shows the value of having that tactical um ability during deployment and i feel that armies that have that sort of strategic element during a chess clock or timed game will actually be at an advantage all right, so you get out of deployment. What happens? Um, I won the roll for first turn because I got the plus one. And Ridvin deployed super defensively, so I gave him first turn because his Ravagers weren't on the table. Okay. So he gave me first turn, and I essentially had deployed uh, because he had put a unit of um, spears on the board. So I needed to make sure that everything was in like a nice, neat bubble that if he attacked one part of the army, the whole army could counter. And... Um, so my my purpose was just to kind of get like kill something essentially. So I moved around and I knew I couldn't touch the wave serpents things like that. So I think I just moved up in formation, uh, spread out to get some objectives, and then bullied a unit of rangers into submission with disintegrator fire. Tim, you seem a little distant, far away voice here. Let's keep them. Um. So yeah, Ridvin only got one kill. It was just you. Um, but he had his grotesque wall in the middle, and the Talos is on the flanks of the grotesques with his characters, with the mask. So basically, if I charge them, I die because I strike last. Um, so I knew... Oh, he also deep struck his Ravagers, which was what I was hoping for. Um, so my spears went and killed one Razor Ring, and then Soulburst did back behind a wall so the Ravagers couldn't shoot them. My Dark Reapers, which got out of their Wave Serpent. This is the part that still gets me. Uh, my eight Dark Reapers shooting twice at one Ravager did three wounds, I think, right there? Yeah, it was with, uh, three or... F- no, I think he... It was, I think it was six. I think at the end of it, he had four left. But it was it was abysmal. It was, it not, was good. not good, yeah. Was uh, that just a lot of... Where where was the breakdown here, Tim? I think... Where, where did it all go wrong? He didn't have Guide on them. So, uh, you know, the misses were misses. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was... But I think on, on averages, I still should have gotten it. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, I, I wasn't too upset about that. That was just kind of, eh, whatever. I knew my Dark Reapers were going to die. It was because you vect 
infected my fire and fade uh, fire and fade which is obvious why wouldn't you um but i did set up a little trap with my wave serpent to bring his talos away from one unit of talos away from his wall more or less um trying to bait it out which now on Ridvin's turn he's playing that. Yeah, so um, he'd moved that unit of wave serpents up, and uh, Tim's army had a lot of guardians, so he's able to kind of zone the army out with guardians. Um, but what I had to do was either stay back or just take the bait and run forward, and I decided to be hyper aggressive. So I jumped the Talos up, moved up, almost killed that wave serpent, and then moved and ran with like the rest of my army so that the turn after this one, I would be right in his face. And his characters were all in the back, and I knew I needed to kill them for, like, headhunter points, as well as get onto his priority objective. Um, so, yeah, Ridvin charged my wave serpent and whatnot. Uh, I got my unit of ten guardians out of the building and just movement blocked his grotesques and characters. So that bought me a turn from them. And then his Talos's that charged my serpent um, fell back with the serpent. I fully buffed my spears, re-rolling ones, plus one to hit, uh, protect, fortune. I doomed the Talos's. I did not get Jinx off, right? Rachel? That's correct. And then I shot them with pretty much everything I could, and then charged them with the spears, popped the strat. So fives and sixes grant extra attacks, and I'm hitting on twos, re-rolling ones, and re-rolling wounds because of doom. Um, I ended up leaving one alive with, I think, five wounds? Yeah, it was one alive, and, and, he, and he wasn't completely dead. I think he had, uh, he'd taken three wounds. Yeah, it was something like that. Yeah. And uh, that really, I mean, that still didn't put me out, but that hurt a lot, because that gave up a unit of spears. Yeah, at that point, there wasn't a soul burst to come from the Talos, exactly. and that was, like, the biggest thing. Because ah, yeah. unable to soul burst, they were stuck in one spot instead of being able to move back and stay safe for another turn, which then meant in my third turn, I was able to wipe out that whole unit of, t of uh, Shining Spears and then um, also take out the big unit of Guardians that had moved blocks and just kind of continue to put pressure into his corner. Yeah, so like so... when you when you're seeing those spears bearing down on the Talos and they're juiced up and they're frothing from their mouths and pissed, like are you thinking that you get away with one Talos standing there? Like how cocky are you with? That? Uh, normally they will murder an entire unit. He he didn't get Jenkoff, and having a four plus invulnerable save is in, is incredibly important. So you weren't you you weren't really sweating. Um, I, I was sweating, it was just, yeah, the variance of the averages pushed in my favor. Yeah, if I, if I may add, so that you was may. more or less, so like I spoke to you about last night, Val, I had a plan that I do not think it was a bad plan, but it was not the best plan. So my plan was to kill that unit of Talos, Solbers back to where I was into safety, and then more or less every turn go and do the same thing. So next turn, kill the Grotesque. Then the turn after that, kill the other Talos's, and then my other unit of spears comes down and clears the black backfield, whatever. But that one one Talos living ruined that plan, and it's... So then my turn, I basically fell back with the Talos, and at this point I had been able to move on the far flank with some racks and another raider and one of my raised wings, and I'd essentially zoned out the whole other side of the board for his uh, second deep striking unit of spears, uh, far away from my main objective. Uh, the fact that my Ravagers were still alive meant that I was able to kill the um, 
the Shining Spears and then just moved up and just basically started uh, looking at killing his characters while tying up that unit of uh, guardians that you'd left in my backfield. Yeah, I think I did deep strike those guardians on the same turn. Yeah, yeah to, to try and kill that unit of racks. Yeah, which didn't work either. So, and to put this into perspective, on my turn two, I think, Richmond, you only killed one unit? Yeah, I killed... Um, I think a I unit think of... Five I killed a, yeah, another unit of rangers, yeah. Um, so me not so, killing the Talos or the Rax meant Richmond got another Kilmore? Yeah. Or no, on the first turn neither of us got it, but this meant you got Kilmore. And when we're both getting kill one and hold one, nobody's getting hold more. That is a huge deal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, this is the old mission. Yeah. No, it's just four four objectives. So this one's still in the in the player pack. Oh, this okay. Or, yeah. So not, we reach holding uh... our two and okay. Yeah. I think um, so. Like, yeah. are you going into this next turn that that you've got here? Are you still thinking you got it? Are you saying there's a chance, or are you just uh, oh, there's a chance for sure. Out? Yeah. Yeah, I I still know if there was a chance. Mm -hmm. So what happens? Uh, originally, I believe it's your turn. Uh, no, no, it'd be your turn. Uh, so my because oh, okay. yeah, you you tried to kill my Talos, then I then in my turn three, Counter I essentially moved up and cleared a whole bunch of stuff. Um, so on my turn, I had wait, yeah. On my turn three, I had to drop my other unit of spears because it's turn three. So I dropped oh, them on a room or on a building in my deployment zone um, because of the because of Ridgeman's great job blocking up the board. I couldn't really threaten his backfield at all, um, so I had to go in my deployment zone. And it was more or less I knew they could live, and if they could live, I could make plays happen. I think Ridvin killed one or well. I killed I think turn. two, two or three. There was like five left. I think five or yeah, six left. Yeah, but on on my turn, they all shot at your grotesques, which were doomed to jinx. I think killed two or three. Yeah, and then yeah, it was more just waiting till Ridvin's turn to see what he could do. Yeah, and they they you tried to charge in, but at that point we were out of command points really, so yeah. you didn't get the uh, Bielton strat. Correct. Um, so they failed their charge. And so in my turn, I knew that I needed to try and deal with these Shining Spears, but they were protected. Um, Fortune. Fortune. They were all beefed up. So I, I kept on putting the pressure on his characters, tying up the big unit of Guardians in my backfield, um, and then just continued to, to move the, the screen up to kill his other unit of Rangers in the, on the other side of the board. And then all my shooting... Didn't really didn't do anything to the signing spears, which gave Tim a chance to come back into the game. And then I went in. I think I killed two characters. I killed like a warlock and a and a spirit seer or something. No, I think that was the turn I charged you with the wave serpent. So I think on that turn you didn't kill any characters. I moved. Uh, I think I might have just killed the uh, the other wave serpent then. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. So where where does when does Scary wear Tim's face as his face? When does when does that moment? I think that was on turn five. Oh really? So so this is this is going back and forth. Yeah no absolutely it's going back and forth. The thing about um, the way that the game had been set up is that I was so spread out and Tim still had the speed and damage that he was going to be able to bring it back at some point. Um, I think this turn like turn four was a critical turn for Tim. The bottom, the no, sorry, the bottom of turn, yeah, four, four. yeah, bottom of yeah. turn four was critical for Tim. Uh, yeah, so on my bottom of four, Ridvin killed three spears out of that unit. Mm -hmm. So I went straight up the middle, charged a Ravager and a Razor Ring, your last Razor, razor Ring with them, mm -hmm. and I went 
too greedy, and I tried to put wounds on both, so I could Soulburst, kill both, and then my Guardians could shoot from the Soulburst at the other Ravager. But I got too greedy and didn't kill either, which let none of those Soulbursts happen. And that was kind of... Yeah, I think that was like the main TSN turning point yeah. of the game. Da -na, da -na, because it would have been... I would have gotten hold more, kill more, three points for big game hunter. Yeah, so it would have been a five point turn for me. Yeah, which would have been huge. And then you wouldn't. I wouldn't yeah. have had the firepower to deal with the spears again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So late breaking spoiler alert: This actually might be a good one to watch on Can Hammer's YouTube channel. Yeah. Honestly, it may just look like honest on camera. It'll probably just look like Ruben crushing because <laughs> I was just trying to be tricksy. Yeah, you're grinding. Yeah, you're grinding. Good. That's the, yeah, the good show. On. You know, but those tactical moves. You know, it's, it just shows how you just uh, keep your head on straight, and and at the there's always a chance, no matter kind of how bad the first couple of turns have been going. Yeah, in hindsight, I really wish I would have added it up. Also, oh, you'd like known where you were. Yeah, because then I I don't think I would have gotten as greedy because the game was still in reach at that point. So. Now, by the way, congratulations, Arkham. Thank you. Uh, I'm not sure if the listenership is... And commiserations to you, Tim. Oh, well, still wound you. up. Uh, still wound up fourth? Fifth. Fifth? Fifth? Fifth's good? Fifth's yeah, good? Yeah, there are bad. so many amendments, I can only choose one. Arkham <laughs> um, Scarry, I'm not sure if the world knows, but I'm going to tell it. You, sir, are ninth whoop, whoop. in the world at Warhammer 40,000, according to the ITC. Congratulations, you've been on an absolute effing tear. There's always a token Canadian in this in, in the top ten, and I'm so pleased that you are the one that is uh, carrying the flag at this given moment. There aren't any others. Devin was up there for a while. Yeah, Devin's in 20-something. <clears throat> He's old news. He's old news. It's Archon Scar <laughs> now. I've been, I have been doing a lot of tournaments lately. Um, well, yeah, and uh, and you were absolutely, I, you know, you... Uh, you did your damnedest to pull me out of my tailspin at the ETC and an impassioned uh, 101 over some pizza one night. That was fantastic. So I don't know. Really impressed with what you've been putting together. What's next for, for the Archon on the tournaments? Actually, no. Screw that. I want to ask you guys both a question. Very quickly, though, because this has already gone on a little while. And we got to respect people's time, <laughs> specifically yours. Um, you play Eldari, Yanari. Tim, what 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 tip? Because this is this is a hard this is a hard army for a lot of people, aka everyone but Pinari. What what would you say is a common error or something that people improve their chance against uh, your list, Tim, or my list? Not well. Now you're you you put the other hat on. Now you put the skin hat on. Because you play <laughs> Coven's Dark Eldar. Put the skin hat on. What do you see a lot of <laughs> people so doing? Terrible. Maybe. For, Focusing, <laughs> focusing a little bit too much. Whatever it might be, like if if you were to like say, okay, time out. I'm gonna give you some tips on how to beat. You. What would you say? Uh, kill the ravages. Your opponents are listening. That's okay. Kill the ravages and don't run into a bunch of Talos. <laughs> Does that happen to you a lot? Oh yeah, people run in with a whole like a variety of different things, only to find out they have like ten attacks each that reroll wounds or. Um, you know, that's 30 strength 6 or strength 7 attacks based around if they're near Urien hitting on 2s on turn 3. It's, it's They just do so much damage. Shoot the Talus if you can and kill the Ravagers quick because they're the ones that will mop up your army. Yeah. Yeah. 
Tim, Tim, any thoughts? Like, I, I know that I, I how would you hand, how do you handle Shen? Me, myself? As a plebe? Yeah, yeah. But playing Witch Army. Dude, anything. When you when you see a bunch of Shining Spears lining up against you, what are you thinking? You've got to set a trap. A little bait? Yeah, you got to bait. That's what I do in every mirror match. It always works. More or less, anyway. Um, <laughs> but, so, because I play double Shining Spears, um, I will be willing to give up one of my units for both of yours, obviously. But yeah, you just have to give them that bait. Um, for other armies, uh, let's say a bunch of characters, maybe? I mean, that's kind of a hard bait to give up, but maybe just something too good not to pass up. And uh, you really have to charge Shining Spears to get rid of them. If you shoot at them, unless you have a million Ravagers like Rudin, you probably won't kill them because they have a three-up pinball. Mm. But if you have a dedicated combat unit, um, that can charge them. They're only strength three when you charge them, yeah. uh, and they don't get an involve. So you can you can do a fair bit of damage if you capitalize on that. Cool. Thank you, guys. So now I will I will kick this one out, rounding it up. Tim, what do you got? What do you got coming up? For uh, I think Guided. my schedule opened up, so I'm gonna head down to Du Bois because Ridvin really lit a fire under me. Why? Mm-hmm. There you and go. Somewhere go. in your face, I've Tim. I've got to go do it. Yes, yes, you are. You copycat. <laughs> face off. <laughs> What's that terrible movie? Uh, it's face, it's off. face off. It, it is face off. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What's that face off movie called? Yeah. Face off. Face. It's face. I off. thought that was it, but <laughs> clarification. Do you play the Do you play the clown hat face wearing Archon model anymore? That horrifying. I do not have it, but I've been looking for one. What? You don't have it? I, I oh. sold all my old Dark Eldar models You're a like 12 years ago. <laughs> okay, well now I know what, what, what's going to be in what Sam's Oh, thank you. I will, oh, I will paint well, it like Tim's face. <laughs> <laughs> and Skari, what about you, sir? So you're ninth in the world. Where does this rampage of destruction take you? Uh, so I, I'm probably going to do a couple more RTTs locally or down in Toronto. Uh, the next event that I'm planning on going to is a charity event, which is the Michael Mudd Memorial Tournament that happens on, on the 27th of October. And that is um, raising money for the local animal shelter. It's held in Stratford, Ontario, Canada. Every year, it's the 10th annual Michael Mudd. And it's in the name of a good friend of ours, Michael Mudd, who passed away 10 years ago in a car accident. So we raise money in his name for the animal shelter. Yeah, wonderful. yeah. It's a super fun event. I've gone a few times. Great time. More of the fun approach, yeah. not nearly as cutthroat. And it's an awesome time, fun mission. Yeah, it's like all custom missions. It's like fifteen hundred points, one battalion detachment, no special characters. You know, it's just a very low key, roll some dice, four round event. Right on. All right, guys. Well, any uh, any closing statements before I kick this one back to uh, Pabjo Martinzed? <laughs> Tim? Um, sure. Eldar are still really good. Inspiring words. <laughs> Dark Eldar are really good. Uh, Castellans are really good, but not as good. Oh. Ooh. How about it's that? Cloudy. It's getting cloudy. <laughs> Shots fired. I guess we'll find out after the Invitational, because I have a feeling that yeah. those Castellans are going to get wrecked. Yeah, Damn. I think the meta caught up with them. Real quick. Yeah, that's the thing about knights, though. They're so easy to counter, because they're so one-dimensional. Yeah, they're very flip-floppy. Right. They either do really well, or they do really bad. 
And if you know how to play against them, it's there's not much you can do about it. All you need are 10 racks. That's it. 10 racks. <laughs> True story. <laughs> <laughs> you elder people are scumbags. I hate you. <laughs> Also, this is exactly how I would imagine Eldar talking together. <laughs> oh, did you see the did you see the knights that those Imperium humans are using? Oh, I did rather. I just put some racks in front of them and they couldn't do anything. Oh. <laughs> we 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 call them Monkai, okay? Monkai. Monkai. Oh. All right. And that, by the way, is a clever joke. It sounds like monkey. Uh, um, a space rings are or Monkai or armored Monkai. Mm. <laughs> Forward in, in depth. In depth. Steve, Steve, on that deep cut, guys. Thank you so much for your time. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks a lot for having us on. Thank you very much. Goddamn pleasure. Over to you, Pab. Bye.